Dave Z, why don't you want to listen to Banana Laser? I don't know. You do too know. Now come on and tell me. Don't want to. Please. No. Come on, man. Just a few more steps. You just had to bring him, didn't you? Trust me, man. You'll thank me later. Yeah, I'm sure. All right, we fucking made it. You ready? Let's fucking drop this asshole. Okay. Three, two, one. Man, I can go for some sleep right now. Fuck that. Let's see if we're back in time! Oh yeah, fuck! Let me go turn on the computer. I'm the messenger of God. You're doomed if you stay here. What the fuck is this? The fucking Twilight Zone? Alex! Oh, thank fuck. You don't know how good it is to see you. What are you doing here? Sorry, guys. Couldn't help but do that crazy Ralph bit. Uh, I don't know. Neither of you assholes were answering my calls or texts. So I started dropping by here whenever I got the chance. I was worried about you guys. Where did you go? A horror convention or something? Fuck, man, I wish. I don't even know where to begin, dude. Alex, why would we be at a horror convention? Well, where else would you run into Franklin from Texas Chainsaw? Oh, shit, dude, you don't know who this is? (laughs) Come on, man, give me a hand with him. Fuck that, I'm through carrying his heavy ass. (sighs) All right, Alex, come here. Get a closer look. He's a little swollen from the beating we gave him, but don't you recognize him? What, you pull this guy out of a lake? Oh, shit. It can't be. Is that... Father? Yep. Dave just had to bring him along. Well, somebody has to take over for Pete. Who's gonna run the projector? Clean the bathroom? Take care of the dogs? Oh, yeah. About the dogs. Sorry, guys. They're gone. What? Gone? Pesci and Ior are dead? Yeah, sorry, guys. It just wasn't in the budget. Budget? What budget? They were our pets. Listen, you guys were gone for almost four months. Then one day last month, there was an eviction notice on the front door. So I called the number on the paper and started making payments for you guys to keep the laser lounge operational. You could say I was like uh, the lighthouse keeper, like that guy from IT. Wow, man. Fuck. I don't know what to say. Dude, thank you so much. How can we ever repay you? With cash, uh, of course. But uh, I'm nice, but not that fucking nice, guys. Well... We might have a small problem with the cash. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Matt had to spend every last penny we had on eBay. Uh, did you forget who built the time machine and got us back here? I can't think of everything. I, I bought the sports almanac. <sighs> yes, the almanac. Great, you bought the almanac. The same almanac that we lost because of your big mouth. The almanac that Mahoney ate and tossed out the window. Tell me, what did you do? Did you think to take Producer Pete's wallet after you killed him? No, I don't think so. (sighs) Fuck, you're right. I should have ganked his wallet. However... Exactly. Would you laser brains quit bickering? You sound like an old married couple. Wait, you got a sports almanac like Biff and Back to the Future? That's brilliant. Yeah, so brilliant he lost it. Alex, 
I need to know the date, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, sure, man. It's uh, June 24th, 2014. Hey, what's up? We did it! It's our anniversary, <laughs> man! <laughs> Alright, Dave Z, congratulations, buddy! Fucking one year! Holy shit! Listen, man. <laughs> In the spirit of this, I got a surprise for you. I managed to hold on to one page from the almanac. What? Yes! Awesome! Okay, problem solved. Let's go play some bets, boys. Yeah, well, we're gonna need some money first. Check it out. I'm not making the same mistake twice. Mahoney has cash and cards in his wallet. Fuck yes, let's get to work. Right. Banana Brains, and welcome to Season 2 of Banana Laser. My name is Mademoiselle, if you're nasty, and with me, as always, here's Dave Z! Ayo, <laughs> Darling, light of my podcast life, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just going to bash your fucking brains in. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. Truth is, I love you, and I'm fucking so happy to be here. Woo! Season two, bitches. Yep. Happy Damn. anniversary to us, and welcome to season two, and welcome Alex Edwards. Yeah! Welcome to the show, sir. Alex ain't here. <laughs> uh, uh, who are we speaking with, then? Tony. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Tony, please don't show us images of the future. What? You were already there. You know what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> the future! Back to it's, the future. It's Mahoney. <laughs> <laughs> He's the future. God, I hope not. Jesus. Uh, what's uh, up, guys? Good to be in the laser lounge. Yeah. Choo choo. So yeah, thank Whoa, you. For, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks for being here, bro, and helping us celebrate the beginning of a new season, the celebration of a, a year gone well, I think. It's it's incredible to me that Dave and I actually stuck with this <laughs> for a full year. <laughs> but it's been a, a great one and I'm very uh, excited for the future. So this is going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, just a side yeah. note, you know, it's it's kind of come full circle. Uh, the Skeleton Crew celebrated a year on April 2, 2013. And uh, like a week before we did that show or put it out, Dave was calling in our show just to leave a voicemail. And we were on recording. So I said, shit, let's just pick it up. Who the hell knows who it could be? We pick <laughs> it up. It's Dave. And we're like, shit, man, that's weird. And I said, hey, dude, let's just uh, get the thing recording and we'll put you on the 50th show, which was the one-year anniversary. And uh, we did that. And you, Matt, joined us for that show for the duration of it pretty much. Mm -hmm. So that was the first podcast the two of you were ever on. And now I'm on your one-year anniversary. So it's kind of like a little symmetry thing going on. 
Yeah. It's a match made in podcast heaven. Yes. Yep, and we signed the uh, you know the 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 wedding certificate. We've been together ever since, <laughs> deeply in love. Every day I wake up next to him, and I'm just so excited to be alive and to be with Dave Z. Yep, yep, and I made him sign the fucking prenup, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother! Because I'm so... rich, bitch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> fucking almanac. Thank That's God right. you saved that one piece, you fucking son of That's a bitch. That's right, man. I was just able to fucking rip and fucking stuff it in my pocket, and then I sweet-talked Mahoney a little bit. And... Okay, so it was in your pocket. I thought maybe you stashed it in your ass or something. <laughs> no. No, I did not. I was wiping my ass. Sorry. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. Moving on. So, yeah, guys, lasers, uh, gentlemen, we reached out to all of you to help celebrate with us. We asked for your emails, your V-mails. So uh, we got some emails here from Lasers Abound, and let's go over some of them Uh, because we got a lot, and this might take a while. So, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. Thanks, guys. Check the timestamp to skip this segment. Uh, it's gonna be a long one no seriously thank you all you guys it's incredible that all you guys take time out of your lives not just to listen but to participate with our stupid little show it means literally the world to dave and i it's uh we love you guys so thank you very much let's start off with mike stewart email from mike stewart hey matt and dave that's us Hi. Um, he's got some questions. My questions are, how old were you and what got you into horror? Also, do you have any other hobbies besides your love for horror? Love the show and keep up the great work. Mike Stewart, thank you for that email. Those are great questions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how old was I when I got into horror? It's kind of funny because I, I was probably six or seven years old and the first horror movie that I ever watched was, in fact, The Shining. And my mom was a huge Stephen King fan and loved the books and stuff. And this was back when VHS was just starting to break into the market. And we didn't have a VCR, but you could rent VCRs. So my mom, (laughs) in her infinite wisdom, I love her for it, she rented a VCR and The Shining together. It was the first time we ever had this experience and that was the first horror movie I ever watched, and I never looked back after that. Now, wait, Matt, can I ask you yes. something? Mm-hmm, please. Now, <clears throat> my first experience with The Shining wasn't really, it wasn't blowing my hair back. Mm-hmm. And I had an attention span at the time. <laughs> what was it like at six or seven to watch something that was such a slow burn? Um, I found it to be interesting. I mean, we did split it up uh, at about... Well, it's not even halfway. It was probably two hours into it after Shelly knocks out Jack. My mom cut it off, and we finished it the next day. Mm. But, um, no, I was never bored or anything. I guess because it was a shared experience between my brother, sister, and my mother. And so for that, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. And really, that kind of kicked off my whole love for movies you know around the same time we got like hbo or something like that and so just watching movies just became a thing for me so yeah i just always enjoyed it yeah it was such a like uh see 
I'm jaded at that point at, you know, whatever age I watch Shining because I've seen a thousand movies already. So for you guys, it was just a thrill to be watching something since you had to rent a VCR. So mm-hmm. therefore, anything you watch was probably going to be good. Yeah, that's probably so, true. Yeah, so this was uh, not going to fail. Yeah, That's cool, though. I have to say that I remember the back, back in the days when people were renting uh, v, uh, VCRs and that, that whole nine. So that would I could see that being exciting. Me, I've actually... Uh, elaborated once before upon it and it was I was 11 and it was when I saw the the final chase scene of, of uh, Friday the 13th part 3 oh you yeah know? so we've heard this so okay moving on um... <laughs> fuck all y'all that's it <laughs> but it's still I, I'm, it was great because it birthed me into Friday the, so think about that I'm a big Friday the 13th fan that was the first thing I saw and I was the next day I was hooked so hmm. you know shit I mean that that was tremendous. I'll never forget that. I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw the end of part three playing in the final chase scene and it fucking scared me, but it blew me away. And the next day, I, I, you know, I was like, what the hell was it? Looked in the TV guy, find out what it was. And that was it. Next thing you know, I was there opening night for freaking the final chapter. My father took me. I was whatever, 12 years old. And there was. Did you, did you have your first nocturnal discharge that night? <laughs> <laughs> I may have. Oh, Vera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so his other question, do you have any other hobbies besides your love for horror? Uh, that's uh, This is my hobby. I work, <laughs> I, have a, I have a live-in girlfriend, and I do this, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I do like to play a little video games every once in a while, but... I, it's few and far between. I, I hardly have time to do anything. I like to watch other stuff, you know, TV shows and stuff. But uh, that's and I do have a love for music too, which I try to get in whenever I can. But uh, you know, other than that, this you know this takes uh, precedent definitely. Yeah, yeah, same here. It's uh, you know I'm a family man. I have my wife. I have my daughter. I'm, I'm involved there. I work and I work ridiculous. Not too many hours, just fucked up hours from noon to 8 p.m. So that kind of takes you out of a lot of things. And uh, I, I try to see my daughter every chance I get. And, yeah, that's it. I mean, I do a lot of work. I work out of the home a little bit, too. So too much work, and uh, that's that. Music, too, though. I'll, I'll see concerts when I can. But, hey, Dave, you know all work and no play makes Dave a dull boy. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> makes Homer something something. <laughs> Go crazy? <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> all right, cool. So thank you for that one. Let's move on to another one from Tony T. Tony T. Yeah, Tony baby. Todd. Tony. Uh, Tony Todd. Love your movies. You know you're a horror icon. Mm. Um, <laughs> How do <you> taste? <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, hey, Tony T here. Just a couple random quick questions for some discussion for you fellers for the upcoming show. Number one, Terra Dome Battle. Hey, Dave, remember those? <laughs> uh, you don't like those. Yeah. Uh, yes, I love ba- them. <laughs> I, I even brought it up on the Super Show. I said that we should put Creighton Duke against the Man in Black for the next Terradome. Yeah, that would be cool. I thought I edited fucker. that out. Oh. <laughs> no, you didn't. I listened again today. So there. <laughs> He's an avid listener. Uh, Terradome <laughs> battle. Who wins? Final chick from The Descent versus the final chick from your next. Hmm. Bossy. Hmm. That's, wow. uh, that's, that's a really good mashup. I don't know because one the the chick from the descent has 
insanity and madness on her side. True. Whereas the chick from your next has uber training slash preparedness on her side. So that's a tough one. And they're both fucking hot. So I think they're about equal in that. You know what's a better one, one, though? Better Terror Dome? Hmm. You put the chick, the final chick from your next versus Joe Pesci and the other guy from Home Alone. <laughs> and I think she would win. That sounds like a movie mashup made in heaven. Holy hey, horses shit. asses. <laughs> <laughs> the banana bandits. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, uh, uh, well, that's a it, tough fight, though. Wow, that is that's fucking oof. And an impromptu terror dome. Yeah. Wow, it's been so long since we had one. I forgot the, um, you know, the parameters of it. We throw them yeah, in the thing. Too. We come up with their things. <laughs> Weaponry, they don't have any weapons, do they? Oh, wait a minute. Well, the your next chick has got fucking a whole arsenal, whereas the other chick has got maybe a flashlight. And okay. I think at the end of it, she doesn't even have that. So, so okay, well, we'll give her the flashlight just to make it somewhat fair. She can mm-hmm. shove it in something if she needs to. And the other Sounds girl has it, right? Other girl has an arsenal. Then we talked about one being crazy and one being smart, so that kind of cancels each other out. And then, um, <laughs> what else was the third? We had three things we talked about with you. You know, let's scrap this whole thing and just say which one we want to fuck. This is who'd win bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> what about I want to win? I won. I won. Who won? I won. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to say the chick from your next. Yeah, me too. Uh, just because the chick from the descent is fucking covered in that goo blood at one point, and I'm not touching that. Yeah, I choose her too. Choo choo choose, right on. I choo choo choose. Choose you. Please <laughs> right. his, his, uh, you This is the moment you see his heart breaking half. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, the next part is he's got another question. It's a pick your death. Uh, <laughs> this is a Wazelle game. Wait a minute. I know, yeah, exactly. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, See, now because you have a show, you can't do it. So he took over the spot for you. So yeah, that's, that's cool. good. Thanks, Tony right. T. Yeah. Uh, which which do you think would be the less horrible way to die? Now, this is going to get good. Sleepaway Camp 2, the outhouse drowning with shit and leeches. Ugh. Versus uh, Sleepaway Camp 1, the oversized pot of boiling water. Ooh, brother. <laughs> Which one would you rather die, meaning less horrible kind of death? That's that's a tough one. I say but... shit and leeches straight up. Really? Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah, I'll you know tell you what. what. You want to drown on a turd? I don't want to drown on it, but I got sunburned fucking recently. And that <laughs> was fucking bad. And it was just a sunburn. So when it comes to real hot shit, like real hot water and scalding water and boiling fucking your skin and all that shit, that's got to be incredibly, incredibly fucking painful. Now, shits and leeches is no fun either, but I don't know, because what? What? what ultimately, how did that girl die in, in, with well, shits and leeches? Did she choke on shit? I'm an expert on both. Mm-hmm. Let's hear them. Well, okay, first we'll go to your question. Uh, she, It did appear she was spitting shit out of her mouth at one point. Probably Snickers bar, but I think, you know, I think they did go there. I guess she just drowned because she had that stick and pretty much held her under. And you got to remember, that's not water down there. That's that blue shit. You know, so she's choking on leeches, blue shit, and shit, and piss. So, but here's the thing. That death, here's the key to this. That death was uh, within one or two minutes. This asshole who got the water 
teleport on him didn't even die. He had to suffer mm-hmm. through that. Oh, and they, yeah. You remember the guy goes, God, the pain must be excruciating. You know, when he were wheeling him out, he was alive screaming the whole way. They wrapped him like a mummy and he was still screaming. So it's better off to die in two minutes than, than go through that, even if he died on the way to the hospital. So, hmm. Good call. I agree. Yep. I take the turd. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I third the turd. <laughs> Third the turd. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Well, thanks, Tony T. That was awesome. Yeah, Tony T is the man. All right, so moving forward, we got... Uh, oh, brother. We got... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Jason Lives himself. Uh, ah, J- Jared. Right, Jared. Yeah, yeah Jared. Fair. Fair or something. Fair. Jared Fair. Jared okay. F. Yeah. <laughs> we, everybody knows who he is. Okay, what up, Banana Boys? Just want to show my appreciation with the fun show. Love your reach-around stories. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got a few. I'll share some. Uh-huh. Hope to take a ride in the DeLorean when you get back in time. All right. Uh, hey, Dave, party tonight, LOL. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, great show, laughing constantly, and always picking up new info on good horror. Uh, but... No more bad mouthing Jason lives. That is, <laughs> that is rule part six. Mm-hmm. Uh, last warning or your band. Huh? But but seriously, if you dare bring me on your show, and I'll prove to you why part six is top four. Bring it, Wazell, if you're nasty. Congrats, you bastards. Huh? <laughs> so he's challenging us wow. to come on the show and defend part six. I, I don't know about you, Dave, but I'm thinking I accept that fucking challenge. I accept too. I just don't want him to leave angry. You know, he's a oh, fucking... he is going to leave a butt hurt as fuck. He's a listener. <laughs> he's a friend. He cares enough to write us a letter. I don't want him to come in and have fucking assholes like us. You know, <laughs> tear his, tear him a fucking new one. I mean, I don't want to do that to a listener. So I accept, but I I, I, I accept because it's a challenge and because you know it's a slur on my manhood if I don't. But I gotta look at him and say, man, I I, I kind of feel bad about what's gonna happen to you at the end of it. But mm-hmm. I still love you, dude. So whatever it is, it is. If you, if you can accept getting tore a new one and you know walking off the show and not being too upset about it, mm-hmm. all right, yeah. I'm down. Yeah, Jared, have you ever had your shit pushed in? <laughs> You're just lucky. I, I won't be there, man. I mean, you can give him the reach around. Eh? Alex, what can I tell you? Yeah. yeah, he is a fan of that. All right, cool. Well, yeah, challenge accepted, uh, Jared, so let us know. You know, we'll definitely do that at a future show. Next Friday the 13th. Uh, yep, whenever okay. that is. All right. Okay, here we go. <laughs> It'll be 39 right. years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another email from Dave Burke. You laser motherfucker. All right, Dave Burke. Hello, Banana Heads. Hope you're having a great anniversary show. Um, yeah. So yeah, far, so good. Yeah, 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 that's pretty good. What is your favorite or least favorite remake? Uh, my favorite show was the Halloween retrospective. Love the saw. Um, <clears throat> love the scene shows as well. <laughs> yes. Dave. Scene. Um. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Dave, for that email. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Well, I mean, question. we did we did remakes on our remake show. Yeah. Don't uh, you listen? <laughs> 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 yeah. He's a real laser. <laughs> Yeah, we so. chose the Jesus. thing. Damn it, the, the thing. thing, and then I chose uh, the crazies was one, and then another yeah. one I can't think of right now. 
Um, Evil Dead you chose. I chose did Dawn I? of the Dead. Yes, you did. Uh-oh. Are we taking Dead. it back? Oh, I, I chose the yeah, ring. Yeah, I did choose Evil Dead. Take it yeah, back. Right. Take no, it back. I'm not taking it back. Do, but do, do, do. I would take it back now because I, I think I'd have Maniac bumped up a little bit. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I don't think I'd seen Maniac by the time we recorded that. That's probably, yeah. Right. Yeah, all right. Least favorite remake. Um, well, the one that jumps into my mind is the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Right. But, I mean, I'm also not a huge fan of that franchise, so maybe I shouldn't say that one. <laughs> but then again, yeah. I... <laughs> I gotta think of one I actually saw or, or, or seen. Excuse me. <laughs> Dave, come on. I skipped a bunch of them because I, I had no desire to see them. So I'm trying to think of one that I that I actually watched. Matt, 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 calm down. You're starting to shake. <laughs> Dave, Dave, seen, seen. I, I, I did say seen. I did. I corrected it quickly. Dude, dude, relax, uh, relax. <laughs> <sighs> Jesus, I started choking my own tongue. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Always so, traumatized. Right, <laughs> bastard. I know. I know. I'm I'm in rough shape too. Still, you just got back. Oh, oh, oh! I know. I know what the, my least favorite is. The fog. Oh my god, was that terrible? Have you seen the fog remake? It's fucking nut spunk. It's I garbage. have. I have not seen it because I've never heard one good word about oh, it. Oh my god! So I skipped that. I skipped prom night. I skipped fucking Black Christmas. I skipped I, Night of the Demons has been sitting in my room for fucking a year, two years. I haven't watched it yet, but I will get to it. But um, you should watch Black Christmas. It's actually kind of stupid fun. Yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I'll yeah. get to that. Uh, but off the top of my head, maybe I would have to say the Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, yeah, there we go. Yeah, unless you want to count the Ring Two as a remake. If you count the Ring Two as a remake, because there was a Ring Two in, in, in you know, in, in the no. Ringu series, <laughs> okay, no. then fine. I'll just say Nightmare on Keep it Dave, on there. Isn't and... there enough remakes that you don't have to do that kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a Ring Two in fucking Japan, and there was also a Ring Two in the states. So. Yeah, but it's definitely not a remake of that, right? I haven't even seen it, but it's clearly joke. I hear you. Okay, it. I'll say Nightmare on Elm. Fine, fine. Does have enough remakes to choose from? Uh, <laughs> all right, cool. Thanks, Dave Burke. Moving on to uh, Jordy sent us an email. Whatever his last name is, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce that. Austere. There you go. Um, <laughs> uh, Jordy writes, Hey, banana people. Banana people? That just sounds weird. <laughs> banana people. Banana people. Uh, all right, this is, this is a long one. Here we go. Damn dudes, where said. do I? S- oh wait, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Damn dudes, where do I start? First of all, congrats with the one year anniversary. I love the weekly bites. See there, Alex. Not everyone hates that. Yeah. Hey, hey man. <laughs> I love the walk through the eighties, the scene retrospective, and the whole Back to the Future <laughs> Mahoney producer Pete story that came with it. The Halloween retrospective, the House of a Thousand Corpses commentary. The things I love the most are the unholy trinities and top lists, like the top 13 of 2013, top 15 horror flicks since 2008. Huh, really? Cool, I loved doing those shows. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Thanks to you guys, I seen Penn for the first time, never heard of it, and it blew me away. Yeah, no shit. Uh, Thank Dave for that one. Uh, what I'm most interested in hearing from you guys are, how do you feel about modern horror films? Um, how did horror evolve through the decades? In the 80s, slashers were a big thing. After that, the psychological thrillers were big. 
And I guess nowadays it's most about ghosts slash paranormal films or TV shows based on horror movies. What modern flicks will be iconic? Horror movies in 20, 30, 40 years. Can you see crossover movie of modern horror movies like they did with the Universal Monsters or Freddy vs. Jason? I guess the biggest franchises since 2000 are Scene and Paranormal Activity, and it would be really weird to see Jigsaw made some traps for the bedroom door that suddenly opened in the first Paranormal Activity. I don't know. Maybe they can do something with Ghostface versus Jigsaw. That's weird. Uh, but that would be weird, I guess. Hey, he called it out. Okay, good. Um, I'm hoping you guys will do a walk through the 70s. Rolling through the 70s. We are. Yeah, we are. Um, I really want to hear your take on Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, yeah. Still never saw it. Mm, that's good reason to watch it. Keep up the good work, and thank you very much for the hours of entertainment you guys gave me. Maybe, oh, 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 this is good. <laughs> you guys are going to love this. Maybe I'll tattoo my toes with banana laser and a, and a Skeleton Crew logo when you guys make it to 100 episodes. Seems like the smart thing to do. Cheers. <laughs> Wait, well, he's going to fit our whole logo on his toe? Yeah, that seems a little weird. Maybe his big toe. The skeleton uh, crew, maybe. The three of us sitting at the table? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but if he he threw this out there, and I'm challenging you, Jordy, to do this straight up. If If you do this, I will pay for this entire thing. If you get any what? kind of... Of tattoo, a banana laser, or the skeleton crew, I'm paying for it. You let me know. Cause... You better check the fucking rates overseas before you commit yourself oh, to that. Oh yeah. <laughs> how, much, how much are tattoos over there? Like a million dollars? There's like, right. there's like two tattoo artists over there. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Shit. I'm still gonna pay for it, dude. Because oh, what a guy. I because one, I don't think he's gonna do it. I don't think you got the fucking balls. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know, Jordy. He did play our song in a club. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, that's right. He's the fucking man. <laughs> that's true. It yeah, is possible. Is. Yeah, don't. I'm telling you, some people will just do shit. And maybe he's just a tattoo freak. Maybe he's fucking. He don't give a fuck. You know. Hmm. Well, <laughs> my offer still stands. Either. I'm down with it. Yeah, I want to see it. Don't you guys? Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm upset about is he's gonna do it after a hundred. We won't be able to talk about it on Skeleton Crew. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. Leave us a voicemail, Alex. We'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking the, banana boy, yeah, voice. The new skeleton crew would just be a voicemail segment on banana lady. That makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, we'll give them like 10 minutes a, a show. Kind of yeah. like what they did with my buddy podcast with the, the Jamie and Jason Lloyd thing. Well, we'll start yeah. with seven and a half. You know, <laughs> then if you're good, we'll work up to 10. The length of uh, Jason Goes to Hell for the Skeleton Crew Friday Retrospective. <laughs> Right. Hey, I hope I can hold someone's uh, attention for seven minutes. Let's see. <laughs> you did. Oh, it was man. good. Seven and a half minutes. It was, fun. it was well spent time. And then the rap song. Yeah, shit. The rap song, yeah. The the original. Yeah. Oh, thank something. you for playing that, by the way, on your last show. Oh, fuck yes. An awesome piece of work like that needs to be heard by as many people as possible. It's fun. You put a lot of work into that. It's incredible. Thanks, man. Yeah. 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 You're clearly insane. So we got now back to Jordy. We have questions to answer. That was a okay. long email. Why yeah, don't we take them uh, a question at a time? All right. So the first one was, "How do you feel about modern horror films?" Well, that's probably a two-parter. And how did horror evolve through the decades? Well, I mean, I love modern horror films. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I think it's just like any other 
time frame. You know, obviously, you know, we grew up in the 80s, and so we're going to have an affinity towards those types of films. But really, there's constantly being, there's constantly good films being made and shit films being made. So, yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of fact. People say there's lulls in the decades and stuff like that. But even then, there's still good movies that come out. And stuff like that. I think we're in a real kind of resurgence. I think last year had some of the best films that uh, we've seen in a long time. So, which I'm very happy about. So, yeah. So, I'm extremely happy with the way things are going as of late. Yeah, Um, I agree. But I think we're peaking again. Here's what I think. I think the 80s. I think from the mid-70s to the late 80s was a real peak. That's what I mm -hmm. think. I really think the 90s fucking sucked. I think the 90s had some gems. A couple, but I think overall the 90s was a bad decade for horror. And I think it all came back in the 2000s. And right now, I, I, I feel that we're peaking again. Uh, I mean, look at it. At? What am I peeking at? Yeah, what are you peeking at? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. That, that picture over there. Can't you see her? Oh, of course, I'm right next to you. What are you peeking well, yeah, at? Yeah, what are you asking me questions for? The fuck? I don't know. Stick, can you fit your dick in that hole? Good God. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh... But we're I love I love what's going on now. We got horror podcasts. We have this. A lot of people are at the age now that they grew up in the eighties, so I think that has something to do with the resurgence of it now. And then we have the younger generation and with the remakes and everything else that actually, when you look at it, have done more fucking good than bad. So I'm happy with things now. Now, What do you guys think about this theory? You know how if somebody asked you guys to name your top five favorite albums, would you say that most of those albums? are things that you were introduced to, let's say, in high school and stuff like that? You're going to pretty much name most of those? Um, yes and no. I think it would be about a 50-50 split for me. It would be those and newer stuff? Uh, not necessarily newer stuff, but, you know, um, you know, early 20s kind of stuff. Yeah, so okay. I guess maybe it's all the same. Right. So here's what I'm thinking. <clears throat> when people think that horror was only good in the 80s and this and that, that's because that's when you got into it. And when th- when you're younger, things seem larger than life to you and they impact you differently. Uh, just like I said um, with uh, earlier, I talked about uh, how like Matt watched uh, the, the first, like he had to rent a VCR just to, just a VHS or whatever, just to watch uh, Shining. So it was like, the biggest deal to him and even at six that wasn't slow to him but at 20 it was to me because i've already been through it all you know a lot of the stuff like the same thing with with movies they they seem large in life and better when you're younger and when you're older it kind of like the volume gets turned down and that kind of thing and i think that that's the perception people view horror in they think things are good then because that's what they were kind of introduced to, things seemed grander at that time. And now that they're sort of jaded and seen all that stuff, now they watch new things kind of looking looking down at it, you know, and and things like that. But it's probably the same amount of good quality stuff now as there was then. The only difference is now, like, everyone's making movies, so there's more shit to kind of sift through to get to the good stuff. But you, it's easy to not go to Walmart and buy those $10 movies. I mean, let's face it. Every Tuesday. Oh yeah! How now it's overkill. It's overkill now. Where it's like fifty-fifty on good stuff and shit. Where in right. the '80s, it seemed that seventy-five percent of it was quality. Right now, 
Was it? I don't know. It seemed to be, though. You know what I mean? Uh, there wasn't we were quite as many. Yeah, we were younger, but like when you would go to the horror section to rent a, a VHS back in the day, there was probably only you know 200 movies to choose from, and the majority of them were made in the 70s and the 80s. Right. And, and now if you go, you got stuff from all over the place, and it's different now because there's not, not really video stores the same way it used to be. But like you said, there's those Walmart movies that come out every week. And we, we do the Banana Bites every week, and we talk about the new releases. And honestly, the new releases that come out, the direct-to-DVD that are really low budget, a lot of them are, are shit, and you know it. And then we still have, you know, a good 25 movies a year. I still think that the 80s were better. I do I do understand your point, Alex, about growing up. But I really still believe that that was the peak time. Because look at the 90s. What Can you think of a really great series from the 90s? You can name at least three or four off from the 80s, I would think. Just, you know, off right. the top of your head. Where the 90s just seemed like a lull. And now I, I just think they're better. I do well, get your point. But yeah. you know what I'm saying? But even to contradict myself, the 80s... Uh, which is proven now with remakes, the 80s were booming with original ideas. Yeah. You know, like so much original shit came out of the 80s. Even if you go to any TV show, music, movies, anything, the, the 80s was just the most creative kind of decade. You know, whether you liked the music or not, you know, it was still very creative and, and a lot of the ideas were really popping out and things like that. And now shit's regurgitated, just like, you know, all the remake shit, because nobody could think of anything that's really good. And when they do, people just shoot that shit down, like Paranormal Activity and fucking, you know, some people hate Saw franchise and, and they hate <gasps> Oh, I've seen, seen. The S word. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Breathe. Oh, fuck. Right? He, he shall not be named. It's like saying fucking... <laughs> it's like saying fucking Voldemort in like the first couple of Harry Potter movies. Yeah, it just, right. You can't, they can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you get my point. I no, you're right, though. I, I do get your point. And as far as the second question, I believe you said what nowadays is going to be popular 20, 30 years from now or whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's actually kind of tough, and I hate to say it. That's really tough, yeah. But I think Scene might be one of those movies that people look back upon. Um, that's a classic. I think so, just because of how grand, you know, I mean, it's a seven-film franchise, you know, and, right? and and it just kind of took over for seven years, literally, you know. And, you know, even if we didn't want to see the next one we still went every halloween and, and saw it so it, it was a whole experience involved with that so yeah i think you're right about about those flicks but don't um, you think it's tough to pick something out that you think that has come out recently? it is it is because you ultimately never know what's going to stand the test of time uh, right. for a, a large audience you know you could say for yourself personally and stuff like that like i think the Maniac remake is an incredible piece of filmmaking, right? And will be, uh, you know, looked at for years and years to come as a beautiful film. Uh, so, you know, but those movies are few and far between, unfortunately. It's a different world because of the internet now, too, where everything is out there, and on top of it, every everything is bashed upon. There's like nothing that's beloved. If there was an mm -hmm. internet in the fucking eighties. Who knows what would have been what would have happened to the Friday the Thirteenth franchise? Well, you know, it goes back to my story about watching The Shining for the first time. It was like a whole thing about it. Now you just click on something, you download a movie, you watch it, you throw it away, you forget about it. Yeah. You know, everything's instant and just forgettable. Whereas when I watched that movie, it stuck with me forever. 
you know, because it was a whole Experience. thing about it. We had to, yeah, we had to rent the machine to fucking watch this movie, you know, and shit like that. So right. everything, yeah, it's just a more disposable society. Unfortunately, that aspect is only going to get worse. So mm-hmm. true, it's tough. Yeah. Um, can you see a crossover movie of modern horror movies like they did with uh, Freddy vs. Jason? Um, and he goes on to say, "Saw and Paranormal Activity." Might be <gasps> one. I yes. mean, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> one, yes, <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I I don't I don't really think that they'll do that kind of stuff anymore, just because it's not hugely popular. Um, but there is a chance of something like that that may happen. Not necessarily in the horror community, but it is a genre in that the Godzilla movie just got, you know, rebooted or remade American style. Um, and the same company that owns that owns the rights to Peter Jackson's King Kong. So uh-huh. it is foreseeable that maybe those two could get together in the future. But they've got well, together in the past. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So basically, it'd be a remake again. Yeah. Regurgitation. Black. Well, how about how about um what, what was it Pacific Rim? That, Pacific that... Rim job. <laughs> versus Transformers. Uh, or like uh, those things versus Cloverfield or something. I don't know. That could happen. You never know. Fuck. I wouldn't mind seeing Cloverfield. I wouldn't Clovey fight fucking Godzilla because that's Clovey. Is that what we're calling that thing? Clovey? That's just what I thought he was called. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Hey, Clovey! Damn, you're ugly. <laughs> I've heard uh, you were referred to as Clovey. Uh, what can I tell you? you know? Jesus Christ. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, can you guys think of any other mashups? It's it's just too too obscure, too strange of an angle to, to go at into a movie. This day uh, and age, yeah. I can't think of anything that would be a mashup. Nah. A different yeah. time. I don't memorize companies who own things. I don't even know. That's true. Everything's so fucking corporate now that forget about it. Who knows? Hey, forget about it. You yeah. gotta go through a million fucking things to get a movie together. Yep. Yeah. Um, cool. So right, no, well, no mashups. Unless yeah. we have the skeleton crew versus banana laser on. And, <laughs> That's and, easy. Uh, <laughs> no lawyers are interested in battling that out. Alright, cool. Well, thanks, Jordy, for that email. That was an a incredible email. Lots of uh, thoughts in there. And get that tattoo. Get those tattoos, motherfucker. We're, we're yeah, get on it. Get on it. Jesus Christ. Um, cool. Well, okay, this next one is going to be a real treat uh, for everyone involved. Mm. It's another one from Tony T. We just can't keep this guy out of the lounge. But this time, instead of questions or, or, or thoughts about the show or reflecting or anything, he decided to pen a poem, believe it or not. What? And this, <laughs> yeah, this, right. yeah, this this looks great. So <clears throat> I'm gonna do my best uh, reading of this, but uh, <clears throat> I hope it goes as as he wanted. <clears throat> uh, it's titled "Banana Laser," a poem by Tony T. Huh. Bananas are always yellow. Lasers are sometimes red. The Fun House got a freak fellow. Motel Hell, a gardened head. <laughs> All the way from a madman on sorority row to an overlong great scene series retro. <laughs> Banana laser provides joy. There's no need to debate it. Unless you're a Jason Lives fanboy, then you probably fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> 
They sometimes lie. Y'all can't deny. Reviewing Slam Dance was not all by chance. Lasers and Bites, it all feels so right. That rap song about the cult leader was so freaking tight. <laughs> Crawling through the 80s at the slowest of speeds, you must have been busy making movies about trees. Arbor Day, <laughs> motherfuckers! Awesome. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, so happy birthday, you banana fucks. Your show rarely ever sucks. Keep ripping off the crew. They all... <laughs> <laughs> Keep ripping off the crew. They always know what to do. That's, that's incredible. Um, I guess this is my life now, listening to your show. I hope at a quicker pace through the 70s you will go. So keep up the great work. So keep up the great work. One day it could pay off. Skeleton, skeleton crew at 100 might actually sign off. You guys got a great show. You already know. That's why you're bribing us with a prize just to say so. <laughs> That's fucking incredible. Wow. Uh, thank you. It goes on to say, in all seriousness, I absolutely love your show, but... That's something you should already know. Oh, wait, it's still going. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's still going. Dr. Seuss. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed butchering this rhyme. My, uh, I don't even know this word. (laughs) What? My lambic, uh, pent, my lambic pentameter, what, I don't even know what that is, was out of line. Uh, or, I don't fucking know. Dumb it down, Tony, dumb it down. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Uh, I now drink my banana flavor Kool Aid and say goodnight. Guess what, Laser Nation? It feels so right. Hope you enjoy. It's made with love and meant in good fun. Congrats on the one year, guys. Hey, that last part didn't rhyme. Um, awesome. Ah, that uh, that was fucking incredible, dude. Wow, I can't believe Very that. Good. Yeah, Thank really. You. Kudos yeah. to you, sir. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, man. Tony T, you're the man. Yeah, you are the man. He actually paid attention to all our shows. Oh. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's even a slam dance thing in there, and we called that Murder Rock. <laughs> right. Well, they called the name of the movie is Murder Rock. We called it fucking. Oh, is that right? Not slam dance. What the is that? Who called <laughs> calls it slam dance? No, that's oh, no, no. Um, not I thought it was dance. called that. Oh. oh, slam dance is the dance. No, no. We called it. Um, go back. Go back. Rewind. What the fuck did he? What, what, what did we call it? Oh, Hang slash on. dance. Slash. Oh, he said slam dance. No. Ooh. Yeah, he did. Did he? I don't fucking know. I heard. I heard slash. <laughs> either way, great. Point. It says slam, but either way, it's great. Well, whatever. Yeah, fuck it. Okay. Except for that word, I didn't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> Lamber or something. I don't know. Yeah. It's a movie. I'm not going to embarrass myself any further. It's a movie <laughs> reviewed, so he's talking about something. Hmm. Yeah, that was awesome. Incredible. It was awesome. Yeah. Tony T, you're the man. Yes. Um. Okay. Well, that's still not it. We got um, Casey Bates, uh, oh. with an email. All right. Here we go. Hey guys, greetings from the Bates Motel, Indiana Division. Uh, Indiana Division. Mm. Just wanted to give my thanks to the two of you for a year of entertaining, funny, and all-around badass shows. Banana Laser has gotten me through some boring work days and personal times, both good and bad. Dave Z, 
Making Lords of Salem your 2013 movie of the year was awesome. Yes! <laughs> All right, I was worried. Yeah. Yeah. Good to hear someone defend that film and see it for what it was. Matt, shit, dude, you're the wizard. <laughs> what, more can be, what more can be said than that? Your magic on the edits and special touches, such as Dave's intro music from Bites, is tops. Uh, anyways... Just wanted to let you guys know you are appreciated and happy anniversary. Here's to many more with much respect, Casey. Well, fucking thank you, sir. That's incredible. Those are very kind words. Appreciate that. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Except for that Lords of Salem bit. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, One of the Salemites out there. All right. <laughs> Salemites. <laughs> you got a word for everything. That's I awesome. try. I try. <laughs> All right, and I think we're approaching the end. Uh, we got a couple more. <laughs> uh, this next one is from Alex Aronson. Aaronson? Oh, okay. I thought it was from Alex here. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, so I just want to tell you guys, you suck. Get the fuck out of my face. Quit ripping off the crew. Hey, stop ripping me off, motherfucker. Hey, whatever works. We're riding those coattails, baby. That shit's for um, me and me only. <laughs> um, all right, Alex Aronson. All right, nice. Double A, double A as I call him. Double A. He Mm. says, hey, Matt and Dave, I am a fan of the show. I love the Halloween retrospective. Thought it was off the chain. Also finished the scene retro not too long ago. Your production value is great, and listening to the both of you is always entertaining. Cheers to one year, and here's to another great one. Well, thank you, sir. That is very kind. Yes, short Mm -hmm. but sweet. Wonderful. Thank you. Short but sweet, yeah. Okay, awesome. Okay, and then... Yeah, we got one voicemail that we got to air on the show uh, and respond to, and that is from Jackson Garland, and I'm going to play that right now. Hey, Dave Z and Roselle, this is Jackson Garland calling to congratulate you guys on one year. I've been enjoying your show a long time, man. I found you guys last October looking for any podcast having anything to do with Halloween 3 which is somewhat of an annual uh, tradition for me. And I found you guys and the rest is history. I've been listening to you ever since, caught up on all the back episodes. And uh, you guys just kick it, man. You rock. And uh, it's always fun hanging out and listening to you. I live abroad, and I miss hanging out with my horror hound friends, talking horror movies. And putting you guys on basically makes me feel like I'm sitting down having a beer with them, talking, talking horror movies. So, uh, I am going to ask you the question that I put into the fan grab because I haven't had a chance to, uh, I haven't heard it pop up on the show. So, you have to answer now because I'm asking you in person. What is your favorite horror movie soundtrack or soundtracks? So, which ones do you like the most? I have my thoughts, but uh, I'm going to hold off and hear what you guys think. So, hey, I'm looking forward to year number two, Onward and Upward for Banana Laser. Peace out. Uh, awesome. Great. Thanks, Jackson, man. You, you're the man. If you guys don't know, Jackson has done some really cool creative stuff for the show. Like, he made the Sackhead in Space uh, <laughs> pictures, <laughs> which were awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, one of them was like, what, in space, no one can hear you. Ah, ah, or some <laughs> shit like that. So Houston, funny. we got a pro. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hilarious and he also made the beats for that um that song that cosmic creepers was on yo mahoney uh, yeah the mahoney oh. yeah yo, he's mahoney. amazing yeah. amazing guy anyways to uh, uh 
uh, to answer your question, uh, it's funny because he talks about Halloween 3, one of my favorite <clears throat> soundtracks, and I didn't really realize it until we did the retrospective and I started to listen to the whole Halloween 3 soundtrack, but that's it's an amazing soundtrack to me. Lots of people think that the score from the original Halloween is, is superior, but not me. Something about the drone and the synth, the synth of the whole Halloween 3 is amazing to me, and that's why I put it on so many shows. If you guys notice, I use that soundtrack constantly in the background and, and in between segments on the show. So, wow, you think it's better than Halloween 1? Yes. Mm-hmm. If I were to sit down, I got one in front of me and three in front of me. It's three all the way. I agree, but for a different reason. Mm-hmm. It's because I heard one so many fucking times. Oh, I'm, right. I'm kind of over it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. three is very, way more interesting just by that you know, fact alone. But mm-hmm. if I had to go, if I had to like, you know, you had a gun to my head, and I, they said, "What is the better quality?" I say, "Halloween Part One." Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, yeah. at this point in our lives, we've all heard uh, Halloween One stuff so many, so many times. It's just, it's just, I'll save it for the movie. I don't want to hear it no more. And <laughs> I, I would definitely, like, if I'm laying in bed at night, I would put on Halloween Three and just lay there. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's good background kind of stuff. Whereas the Halloween original, it's very in your face mm-hmm. kind of striking yeah yep so that's good and also he he said uh you know uh, i also want to throw out the return of the living dead soundtrack not the score uh but the actual soundtrack is so awesome because it's just filled with the like you know the punk vibe yep. of that soundtrack really fits with all the characters in it and it just mashes perfectly they know, have songs about those characters there's a song called suicide yeah, mm-hmm. it's a yeah, great soundtrack. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. incredible. I love that one. Yeah, it's yep. good. Well, yeah. I, I got a bunch, man, because I'm into I'm heavy into soundtracks. So one of them is what we're going to review next: The Shining. Fucking love that soundtrack. So uh, The Shining, The Exorcist, Suspiria, um, Halloween, hmm. Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, and Cycle. That off the top of my head, that that's what I got. Psycho is iconic, and yeah, Harry Manfredini, you know, he does. Uh, I mean, that that's like half the battle with Friday Thirteenth is his soundtrack. Yep. Yeah, it's fantastic, and I cool. do love Halloween Three as well. I, I will meet you on that one. Yeah, it's great. So we got another one from Mike Stewart. Uh, it goes as such. So I'm curious as to what three movies you would want to never review. What is your favorite non horror movie? Have you ever experienced supernatural things such as seeing a ghost? Mike Stewart, thank you for that email. Um, hmm, interesting. Okay, well... Um, Three movies that you don't want to review? Yeah, that's... I, I don't even... I'm going to answer for Matt. Okay. I'm going to say... Leprechaun 1? <clears throat> Leprechaun? Leprechaun 2? Hold on, no, no, no. Leprechaun? <laughs> Wizard of Oz? Oh, I love Wizard Get out What's of here. Charlie, Willy, oh, Willy, Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. Come on, I love those movies. Get out of here. <laughs> They're all Shut midget up. fucking laden. What do you all mean? Right. Okay, so um, oh, answer your own questions. <laughs> as far as movies I would never review, I mean, I don't I don't know. We we'd even talk I would even talk about a shitty movie. I don't care. I I, I, I have no idea what to say. Yeah, I have no idea what to say to that. I really I'm don't. gonna say freaks because I don't want to watch it. How about that? Yeah. I'm gonna say something you don't want to sit through ever again, like Halloween oh. 5 is something you never want to watch again. But luckily, you, you're done with that. Oh, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. Is there something you do not ever want to sit through again? 
Oh, sit through again? So uh, to review, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's tough nothing's to coming. Yeah, nothing's coming to mind. I mean, yeah, there's movies I I didn't like. I, I'm pretty good at avoiding movies that I know I'm not going <laughs> to like, you know? So it's hard for me to say. House I don't want to review. Remake. <laughs> well, uh, what, yeah, what, see, I wouldn't mind that. What, what <laughs> is it? House on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill, yeah. Uh, man, it might be fun to trash. I mean, it would be really short. I wouldn't spend <laughs> two hours talking about it, you know, like maybe certain movies. But, um, all right, well, what is your favorite non-horror movie? I would go with probably, oh, it's funny because uh, they both had Brad Pitt. Maybe I'm in love with Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, Fight Club or wow, Twelve like Monkeys. I'm a big Terry Gilliam fan, and so I, I like Twelve Monkeys. Um, have you ever experienced supernatural things such as seeing a ghost? Quick and short, no. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, favorite non-horror movie? I guess I, I am a big fan of Fight Club. Let me say that. But my favorite probably Natural Born Killers. I don't hmm. think it's considered mm-hmm. a horror movie, so that's my mm-hmm. favorite movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Supernatural things? Mm, I experienced some fucked up shit at my mother's house a long time ago, but I never saw anything. It was just kind of a thing that went on for like a month or two and then stopped. So that's a whole other story, and I don't know how believable it is, but it did happen. It was just weird, just different little things happening. Did so. you see twins walking down the hallway? Oh, fuck. No, I didn't see shit. But I'll tell you what, once my brother and I were talking about the ghost and how things had been happening around the house, and at that very moment when we were talking about it, um, on top of the microwave, a little there was a little piece of paper, and it, out of nowhere, blew off the top of the microwave and landed on the counter, and I opened it up, and it said David and Michael, and that's my name and my brother's name. So that was kind of freaky. Creepy. Yeah, this there was weird instances that went on at my mother's house when we both still lived there for like two months. They came, and they went. Yeah. They came. They saw. They warped <laughs> our minds. Yeah, they. <laughs> <laughs> we came. We saw. We kicked their ass. We chewed bubble gum. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, there you go, Mike. Uh, thank you for that email. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, we got another email from Tony T. This guy just wow. can't stay the fuck away. Holy uh, shit. <clears throat> uh, but this one is going into The Shining a little bit, so I saved it for last. So uh, here you go. Hey, guys. I figure you both enjoy The Shining. Eh, not really. So here are a couple <laughs> quick points to show <laughs> how the other side may think. First, I don't think the film is boring. It's shot amazingly and awesome to look at. I appreciate the style and directing for sure. My complaints come from the story itself. Oh. Not sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not sure how this relates to the novel because I've never read it. Oh. Yeah. The story gives us no likable characters. The story would be stronger and have more emotional impact if Jack was a truly loving father and a great family man who eventually goes insane and tries to murder his family. Fuck spoilers, dude. I have not seen this. Holy shit. <laughs> um... Instead, we get a complete asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Asshole, we call him. Hey, asshole! (laughs) What a a dick hollering say. He's like, uh, yeah, the people we put in charge are complete, unreliable assholes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Instead, we get a complete asshole from the very beginning who treats his wife and son like shit. 
This makes his character arc not very impactful. I also don't like Wendy. Who does? Because she covers, she covers for the asshole. The beating of the kid can't stand up for herself and her son. She's not a strong female character, so I can't root for her in that regard. Also, the kid just annoys me. It might be, <laughs> I might be able to let it pass, but everything else is just adds to his unlikability. Dick Holleran, yeah. Oh, don't I don't like that email. <laughs> <laughs> Dick Holleran is the only likable character in the film for me. I'm going to. I'm willing to bet it's because he has naked chicks on his wall. But let me read on. <laughs> I, I feel he it's is Dick Holleran. <laughs> The naked chicks everywhere. End podcast. That done. That's done right there. I can't believe I've never thought of that. Right? Holy shit. God. Hang, hang up the fucking earphones. We're done, man. Shut off the mics. That is it. Jesus. Holy fuck. Um, I feel he is just in the beginning for exposition. And to have an on-screen death later. Final conclusion, the story in this film would be more entertaining, more impactful, and more powerful to see a loving father um, really make a crazy change and turn to a monster trying to end his existence, his son's existence. Instead of watching a complete piece of shit turn into an even even bigger piece of shit. Thoughts from Tony T. Wow. All right. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of valid stuff there, but... We'll get to that. Yeah, we yeah, can't exactly. say it, because there is yeah. a lot I want to say in rebuttal to that, but I yeah. can't do it till we get into the room. So, we got this in mind. We'll come back to it later. <laughs> all right. Well, that uh, wraps up this segment. Thank you all, the lasers who submitted shit. Um, you know, voicemails, emails, and artwork, and everything you guys do. You guys are incredible, man. We... We would not be doing this if it wasn't for all you guys. And even guys who don't do anything. Just fucking just listen. listen to us. Yeah, you know, thank you guys. We we appreciate it. Um, you know, it's it's great to have such an interactive, fun bunch of, of, of listeners and, and lasers out there. And that aren't total assholes like people over at the <laughs> Camp Crystal Lake alumni page. You know, those, <laughs> those kind of fucking uber, uber fans, you know. It's cool to actually have a cool, cool group, cool core around us, you know. And, and that's great. It's great to me. Yeah, man. This is what we were hoping. This is what we envisioned was interaction and all that stuff and great listeners and a nice crowd of people that we're cool with and even even the people that are on Facebook and like you said that just listen thank you to them too you know mm-hmm. yeah so we're very lucky and uh, that's why we're still here and that's why we're having a season two yep and and to kick off season two guys we're all gonna move out of the country and live on a, a compound we're gonna fend for ourselves we're gonna grow our own foods we're gonna be outside the realm of any government father and I'm going to be, you know, in charge of everything. I'm going to oversee everything. You guys will listen and hang on to my every word. And if it comes down to it, you all will kill yourself for me. Father was so, ill. Uh, <laughs> can I have orgies? Or... Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, I'm in. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So, <laughs> all right, guys, we'll be back to talk about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Hey, yo! 
Hey, Banana Brains. Cody here. I just wanted to wish you guys a happy one-year anniversary. Uh, I just wanted to say it's been a blast. Uh, you guys just keep getting better and better. Uh, mandatory ass-kissing, blah, 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 blah. But seriously, guys, uh, love what you're doing. Uh, it, it's been awesome. Keep up the good work. And uh, just remember, these bananas never go bad. Hey, yo! What's up, banana bozos? This is Gavin Taylor from the UK. You may remember me from such hits as the Banana Bites theme song. Just wanted to say congratulations on your one-year anniversary. I stumbled across you guys when I was told there was a podcast with in-depth discussions on bananas and lasers hosted by Joe Pesci. Needless to say, I was a little bit disappointed when it turned out to be you guys talking about horror. Never mind. You'd be happy to know that you're now my favourite second podcast. My first being The Laser Banana Show, a podcast with in-depth discussions about lasers and bananas hosted by Joe Pesci. Anyway, keep up the good work. Carry on doing what you do, and I suppose I'll keep on listening to what you do. Peace out, guys. Cheers. Hey, yo! Uh, hey, Alex, did you move our chairs? Oh, yeah, I was doing a little remodeling. Okay, we should probably turn that 1700 into about 12,000 after today's action. Then we have enough for the next eight days worth of baseball parlays. We're going to be rich, motherfuckers. <sighs> Alex, man, we're fucking exhausted. Can you help us find our chairs? Yeah, sure. Uh, <clears throat> hold on a second. I think they're in the back room somewhere. Oh, Wait. There's my chair right behind that door. What the fuck is that behind my chair? Looks like rabbit ears. What the? Where did this huge cardboard rabbit come from? It's never been here before. Yeah, what does it say on it? Rabbit and blue radio. Why does that sound familiar? All right, all right. I was going to use the studio for my new show in case you guys didn't come back. So that's why you were here cleaning up and making payments? You were going to take over our laser lounge? What? I can't fucking believe that. Alex, why? Why? <sighs> well, guys, I wanted to resurrect a defunct horror podcast and return it to prominence. I needed a new challenge. The Skeleton Crew is coming up on episode 100 later this year, and I just needed something to keep me busy. I was going to see if uh, I could take a few turds and squeeze a great show out of them. I wanted a rule horrorphilia and have all the ratings between two shows. It was just a goal of mine. I wanted to prove something to myself and all my doubters that I could do it. Wow, man. I don't think anyone doubts you, but you could have the best produced podcast in history and you still couldn't turn those dudes into superstars. Sorry, bro. Alex, if you want to dominate the network with two shows, why don't you join us for season two? Yeah. You're just saying that because you need someone to take over for Pete. No, no, listen, man. Listen, no, it's not that at all. I already have Mahoney taken care of. I talked to him in the car, and I told him I'm going to pay him with endless Jimmy John subs. Why do you think I got that one page from the Almanac? We're going to be fucking rich, and he's going to become our bitch. 
So we got it all worked out, Alex. What do you say, man? We'll call it even on the money. We can start our first review for, on season two as a new broadcast team. What do you say? Hey, we've got nothing to lose except our respect and dignity. must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family with an axe. Stacked them neatly in one of the rooms of the West Wing, and uh, then he, uh, he put uh, both barrels of a shotgun in his mouth. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. We're back, and we got a stellar movie discussion for you, and that is Stephen King's The Shining from 1997, directed by the masterful Mick Garris, uh, starring Rebecca De Mornay as Wendy, Stephen Weber as Jack, the kid's name is Cortland Mead as Danny, Hmm. and and Melvin Van Peoples as Dick Holleran. Uh, This, uh, like I said, premiered on ABC in 1997 uh, to huge acclaim. This was uh, Stephen King's answer to Stanley Kubrick's film that came out, you know, I don't know, whenever it did. I don't don't really remember. But... um, 70s, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's directed by Mick Garris and what a better, you know, there is no better director to have to helm this project because, uh, he really took it and ran with it. He made this, uh, what it should have been from the book, you know, uh, uh, he took Stephen King's written word and literally put that on screen masterfully. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. just talk about the, the hedge animals, you know, and, and, and that scene, yeah, they couldn't afford it before, so now no. they have the fucking. Now they can do CGI exactly. and actually execute it the the right way. Do it right. Yeah, exactly. and it looked fucking awesome. I mean, I couldn't believe how good something from you know a miniseries on ABC could look. Incredible. Hey, dude, you saw it, right? That was a miniseries. Yeah, yeah, look, exactly. Look how good that was. And wasn't that one guy from Jaws Four, Van Peebles or something? Well, that this is his dad. <laughs> I knew yeah. the last name. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is his dad. Dick was hollering. Yeah. Dick, yeah. Dick, Dick was hollering when he saw Dick those naked girls on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't that kid kind of remind you of uh, Haley Joe Osment a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, no shit. I never yeah. made that connection. But yeah. yeah. Right. Ain't it though? Mm-hmm. Like the little kid, especially when he was really young at the end of Forrest Gump, like in, in that, that, that time period. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Hello, Mr. Gump. 
And and uh, you know Stephen Weber who plays um, Jack, incredible. You know this guy came. Oh. He's got, came from a comedic background, you know. I think he was on the show Wings or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he's got a comedic background. What better than to have a comedian in this role? It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Well, you know I mean, why? Let me say this: mm-hmm. it's it's very good because people at this time only knew him as a lighthearted fucking swell guy, and he plays the role that way the first half of the movie. So when he changes to fucking, to what the hotel makes him into, then you actually, in this movie, see the progression from fucking, you know, good old boy to fucking raving lunatic. Right. That's, that's what's exact, great about this. That's the point that that email made, because Jack was an asshole right from the beginning, so when you take a, a guy like that, who's who's known as, you know, a comedian, funny thing, you actually, in your mind, there's a progression to what it actually becomes, just from what you formerly know him from. And the same thing with the wife. She was from fucking... Risky business, the wedding mm. crashers, identity, the hand that rocks the cradle, dude. Meow. And she's hot. Oh. Yeah. Yep. And that's what Stephen King envisioned when he wrote the fucking novel. He wanted her to, his, his words officially were, I wanted her to be a cheerleader type, an ex-cheerleader type that never had a bad day in her life <laughs> until she got to the hotel. That was his vision. So right. guess what? <laughs> it was executed. And boy, oh, oh, yeah, she's way better than fucking olive oil. Jesus Christ. Hey, fucking olive oil. Jesus. Your fucking spinach. Get the fuck out of my face. Go, oh, Popeye. <laughs> oh, Jack. I oh. think we should get Danny out of here. Brutus. <laughs> is Brutus is the one who got the bruise on his neck? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. And the kid uh, has a, a great career. I mean, it, it mostly took off after this movie, but he was in Babe. The Little Rascals. This is before the Shining miniseries, and then it catapulted into the Bugs Life and Go. Go. He was in Go. Yep. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Hey, he must have been in the background or something. Hmm. Oh, wow. hey, man. Hmm. That's what he's known for. So. Well, I mean, this movie—it's just incredible, guys. And to be totally honest, I cannot keep up this facade anymore, guys. <laughs> Seriously, because. <laughs> I have never seen this miniseries. I know, Dave, you've seen it. And probably your comments were pretty honest. But yeah. we're not fucking talking about Stephen King's The Shining from 1997. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, go to the timestamp and skip this if you wanted to hear that. Rewind. Yeah, no. Hold up. We're talking about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining from 1980. This movie, uh, you know, we've we've talked about a lot. Dave and I have talked about this movie, you know, se- seemingly every show that we do because I, <laughs> it I, comes I, up. Yeah. yeah, I've given my. It comes up almost as much as Friday Thirteenth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you guys talk about. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, it's The Shining and Friday Thirteenth, guys. Yeah, I fucking heard it. <laughs> Click. Um, no downloads for them. So, but you know, and I've given my history. Uh, I've stated before, this is my favorite horror film. And I believe you agree with me, right, Dave? Yes, sir, I do. It sure mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And it's... I, I don't want to say... It's definitely not for everyone. It's unique. Uh, and that's because of the guy who made it, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, he took Stephen King's book and then adapted it, but really made it his own work. And so much so that Stephen King 
hates hates Stanley Kubrick for making this movie. Uh, he's gone on record for saying he hates the movie and and how much um, he despises Kubrick for even putting it out. At the beginning, Stephen King actually wrote the first draft of the screenplay. You know, because as the author of the story, that was his legal right to do that. And he thought, hey, hey, Stanley Kubrick, here you go. Here's here's the first draft. You know, here's a lot of ideas, you know, they can use. Stanley Kubrick said, thanks, man. Looked at the cover, threw it in the fucking trash. You know, he had no intention of ever making exactly what uh, Stephen King wrote. And I think it's for the better. And not to discredit Stephen King. Because no, he's a no. he's a, a talented author. I mean, uh, there's no way he can't be talented, because you know when you look at how many adaptations have done on on his stories, he's definitely incredible. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Wow! And I I'm gonna say this: I've seen The Shining more than I've seen every other any and any other movie. Um, so I can't really comment on Kubrick as a director until recently. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen Full Metal Jacket a few times, but never really paid attention to... Um, I was just more into the dialogue between Private Pile mm-hmm. and, and all that shit, and I got off on the lines. And honestly, after they get to the war, I, I was out of it. I was done with the movie. I didn't care anymore. I was just into that, you know, the altercation between Private Pile and whatever the fuck, and Arlie Ermey, whatever the guy, whatever his character's name was. I loved that. It was humorous, great dialogue, whatever. I didn't really look at how it was filmed, and it's been years. Now as I'm getting older, I'm paying more attention to the way things are filmed. I know a little bit more about, you know, how movies are made, and I appreciate things in a different way. Now, I watched a bunch of documentaries. I watched that Room 237, because all they do is kiss Kubrick's ass. Granted, they have a bunch of different crazy fucking crazy yeah. yeah some of them hold water a little bit some of them maybe like two of them yeah that's fine right but still i'm i'm, I'm glad that I, I sat down and watched it because that started me on appreciating kubrick for the director mm-hmm. he is yep. then i watched this past week a few every documentary and everything i could about this movie and about kubrick himself so i really got into him and now it's a whole new thing and now i think the, the fucking guy's amazing and i, I cannot wait to watch the rest of his movies. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Kubrick fan. He's one of my top directors of all time. His work, he's a cinematographer first. That is what he excels at above directing, in my opinion, because the way he's able to frame images, he, he you know, he's essentially like a photographer. And uh, the way he's able to move the camera and and do push-ins and stuff like that, it's just it's fascinating. So the look of it and the feel of it always comes first with him, and the story is secondary. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of shit on, not necessarily shit on, but have disagreements with this film, is that it, he doesn't pull enough from the, the, the story that Stephen King had wrote. Dave, you got to check out I'm, I'm, Clockwork Orange. You haven't seen that. You must check that out. Um, I will. Two, 2001 a space odyssey i mean a lot of these movies are also associated to me and maybe to the general audience as drug movies you know that 
when I first was introduced to Clockwork Orange, it was like a, a weed movie or something. You know, you start smoking weed while well, you watch this movie. It's crazy, you know. And then 2001, obviously, is like a fucking acid kind of movie and shit like that. But really, it's just that it's just so stylized and that nobody is able to imitate these kind of films. And that's what really makes him special. Um, he then wanted to do something different. He wanted to do a horror movie. Uh, essentially, but with his own flair. He saw what William Freakin did with The Exorcist, a huge, you know, top five horror movie of all time. And it was done by a guy who's a serious director. He'd never done a horror movie before, and, and that's what he did. So Stanley saw that and then wanted to do something like that. He's obviously not a horror movie director. No. However, no, he's a movie director, he's a film director who stepped in and made a horror movie, and then he did the same thing. He made a sci-fi movie with with two thousand one. He's a mm-hmm. guy that does what he wants and makes different types of movies, and brings all this talent to the table and makes the best movie he can. And I'm a Stephen King. I fucking love Stephen King. I mean, if you want to say top five people ever, influential in horror, Stanley Kubrick's on that on that short list. Um, and I, I do know why he didn't make a Stephen King movie because Stephen King is very extremely descriptive, extremely descriptive in what he writes. And this would not be, even though this movie's two hours and 20 minutes, what have you, Kubrick is about visual and about bringing, you know, different things to the table. He can't really fit all that into a movie. So I do understand that. I love Stephen King but I, I completely understand why he made this movie as a Stanley Kubrick movie and rejected King. I kind of feel bad. And Stephen King does have sour grapes. And, mm-hmm. you know, what does he say? He says that this movie's like a uh, a fancy car with no engine. It looks beautiful. You can get <laughs> in the car. And I, I understand that. He, he doesn't think that Kubrick understands horror. I think that sour grapes, I think that he does understand horror. Mm-hmm. And I think what he does in this movie, I mean... I can't tell you how many movies really scare me. This is one of the very few to this day that 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 do that there are scenes in this movie that to me are genuinely frightening and make me feel uneasy. So, you know, what more else so than say? Human Centipede. <laughs> Human Centipede is just fucking hysterical. that's horror. It's um... hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> this is terror. This really is. You know. Yeah, it, the the whole thing is just a building sense of dread. Uh, and, and the feeling that you get from it. And yeah, there's quote-unquote horror stuff in this movie. There's not really a lot of it. it, it it's all about the feeling of it and, and all that. And I think, I'm pretty sure at the time that it was released, a lot of audiences rejected it because by then, you know, Carrie had come out and Stephen King was well-known. He was a big author at that point. People had read the books and we're fans of the books, first and foremost. Then you see this film, and it's like, well, this is just very different. Uh, it's not what I want to see. No, thank you. But then, obviously, over time, you know, time always tells. And over time, people cite this as just being a classic, you know, for that reason. And I've never read the book, and I haven't seen that weird miniseries that Dave loves, but... Um, I don't love it. I, I, <laughs> it's a good counterpiece to the movie because I've read the book well, and and it stays truer to the book. So yeah. I, that's what I like it for. It's a good here's counterpiece. My, here's my this. problem with it, though, is that Jack Nicholson in the lead role 
is so iconic. How could you ever read? How could you ever read the written page and not think of him, or try to watch the other miniseries and, and, and not think of him? You can't do it. He he blew the role out of the water. It's incredible. You just can't picture it without him in it. They all did. Every single person in this movie did a fucking fantastic job acting. Every one of them. I cannot picture any other way. From, from Nicholson to Duvall to fucking little Danny Lloyd to Scatman Carruthers. If I go back and read the book, that's all I can picture. And I think every fucking one of them nailed it. And that's just the acting. Talk about Kubrick's direction and the fucking cinematography and the music. And then it's it's the perfect horror movie. You know, let's get into it. If you guys haven't seen this movie, you know, we're going to talk about it. Surely you've seen this. I mean, come on. You've had how many, you know, 34 years or whatever it is to see it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You fucking better see it if you haven't. Oh, yeah. Please, please see it. Although, Alex, geez, how long was it between between takes? Oh, yeah, that's right. So we're Uber fans, and then we got Alex Edwards here. Right. (laughs) Where do you fit in in all this? Well, the first time I watched this, uh, back in 2001 is when Blockbuster used to have... You know what Blockbuster is, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They explain this. Uh, <laughs> no, everybody. There used to be rental stores. So uh, <laughs> Blockbuster used to have this deal where you pay $25 a month and you can take, I forget if it was one or two movies at a time. And as long as you bring them back, you could take two more, even if you come back four times in a day. So. I used to do that, and <laughs> I used to just went. I went through all the horror movies and just brought them home and just copied them and put them in like a folder, and then just went there and did it again and kept doing it and got as many as I could. And <clears throat> I don't even know why I didn't. I never gave The Shining a second thought, but somehow that ended up in my thing. I guess I just figured, oh yeah, I remember that. That's iconic. Whatever. So I finally gave it a chance. I pulled it out of the one of the hundred you know DVDs I copied, and I watched it. Uh, maybe because everybody was talking about it or something like that. I don't know why. So I watched it, and it was just the most boring, dull thing I ever saw in my life. And it just – the climactic ending just wasn't that great to me, and it was just like, you know, whatever. And uh, I remember telling people when I you know, was asked about it – you know, I was trying to be funny or something. I, <laughs> I used to say like, dude, you could take an hour out of this fucking movie, and it will be so hmm. much better. Hmm. And so you want to know my like my revelation right well, now? Yes. <laughs> so fucking A, he's putting them right on there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, so I watched it again now, a week ago or whatever, and there's no way on earth you could take anything out of this. Mm-hmm. And it is really long, even though I hung in there the whole time and I was interested – Nothing bored me. Every scene moved along. It it did seem like I did wonder how much longer this is. And I knew it was long, so I did check and I was like, what the fuck could they possibly do in the next forty five minutes? <laughs> you know, that that kind of stuff happened. But I'm not saying that anything that was on screen was bad. But yeah, I mean it 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 went from being a one out of five to a four out of five to me. Hmm. Like wow. I don't know. Where my mind, yeah, it's just like I'm a different person or something or or whatever, but like, 
this movie, I can watch every scene and almost see how iconic and classic they all are without even really feeling that way upon watching it. Like, mm-hmm. that's how powerful it, it is, I guess. Like, I wondered, uh, will I even like this kid? Is it going to be annoying or whatever? Loved him. There's nothing, like, every reaction he had to everything was great. The oh, Shelley right. Duvall, he's like, oh, get the fuck out of fucking olive oil. And <laughs> she did amazing. Every, the progression and, and just everything was just dead on. And, mm-hmm. of course, Nicholson, who could possibly critique someone like that? I mean, it's just, it's just stupid. <laughs> to, to do it and yeah i mean it was perfectly cast even like the the guys who's dick screaming or whatever hollering uh, <laughs> dick's dick screaming that's his porn name all right ladies dick screaming's here no you said there's nothing you could be cut out of this movie and i you disagree i, I, I disagree and Ooh, maybe what? this goes back to where i uh, i don't think it's a perfect film you made me think of this um is that uh, in the third act, when after uh, Danny shines to Dick and and he <laughs> understands what's going on, he polishes his what? <laughs> <laughs> um, then then we see Dick um, get on the phone. Uh, he calls uh, the right, uh, right. the people. Uh, then we see him book a flight. Mm-hmm. We see him fly on that airplane. <laughs> we see him land. Uh, we see him make some more phone calls. Is this like the Rob Zombie of filmmaking? <laughs> yeah. Then we see him rent a snowcat. Buy a gun. Uh, yeah, exactly. Kill an animal. Get bullied I, at school. That, but that's the only thing to me is that there... I, and, but I love seeing um, uh, Scatman Crothers. I'm a Scatman! I love seeing him on screen. Right. So it, it's a double-edged sword, but I think some of those film, uh, films, some of those scenes closer to the end, were a little egregious. <laughs> I guess you're right. You know what? Yeah. It did. You're right. It, I but every time I watch it, it never slows it down for me. You right. know, I just always it, it's always still fascinating, and I think that's a testament to the filmmaking. It's mm-hmm. always fascinating. I love seeing him on screen and, and his interaction when he's on the phone saying. You know, we left the place in charge with unreliable assholes or whatever right. he said. <laughs> you know, that's unreliable assholes. <laughs> that's all yeah. great stuff. I'm you see him laying in bed with yes. the big, big titty bitches on his wall and oh, shit yes. like that. That's it's all great, but yeah, you don't necessarily need all that in there. But <laughs> so, if you were to cut something, I would say maybe a couple of those scenes. I don't know. I, I do not. I disagree. I don't think they should be cut. I think that's showing. How much determination Dick has to get there, right? Everything he goes through to get there. Oh, that, yeah. that he's on a flight. That first he makes the phone call, and then he makes the second phone call to fucking KDK1 and, and wants to know about the family that's at the Overlook and what's going on. And the, then, then he gets the second phone call back, and he hasn't heard anything yet. So now he's like in panic mode because we've already seen why he's in panic mode in that amazing scene where it starts in the bed and it ends in fucking room 237 with Jack later. But we'll get to that. Wait, wait, starts... At the what? where? Over what? Over <laughs> What the fuck Overlook. is that? Not the Stanley. The, the Stanley Hotel? <laughs> Nobody oh, knows that. Let Nobody. Let me go back to that. He was right. The Stanley Hotel was the name of the real hotel in fucking right. Colorado that was filmed when they show the opening sequence scenes. Oh, that, oh, you know what? Jason it was called that up Stanley. on Google. 
You're right. <laughs> That's what he did. <laughs> he was cheating. And, and how weird is it that Stanley Kubrick fucking directed it? So, yeah. whatever. You know, it's kind yeah. of strange. But I think that, that it was all necessary for the plot to... Because he gets the second call back and they go, we haven't heard back yet. Then they show for the first time, they showed Monday, Tuesday. They showed different days. Then all of a sudden, you know it's the final day because it says 8 a.m. 8 a.m. comes and the fucking man is already on the first plane out from Florida. So he's all business. Then he gets to the fucking, you know, to the airport, and then he calls his buddy, fucking Duke from Rocky, and he calls him up, <laughs> fucking Durkin, and says, hey, listen, I need a fucking snowcat. I need to get there. They're unreliable assholes. I think that it's an exposition. I think that it's showing Dick's determination to get there, and fucking he doesn't give a fuck. Just he's Dick's driving through the determined. fucking snow. He is the... <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, how about this, though? How about this argument? Ready? The Rob Dyer bullshit, though. He is like, Rob Dyer. Yes, and we'll get to it. You're right. And it's yeah. a damn fucking shame. Because, yes, everything went into that. It really is in this case. Right. In the book, it wasn't like that, though. And we'll get no? to that. And nobody thought that he was going to... Everyone in the cast, because Kubrick put out a different script every fucking day, no one really knew what was going to go on. And when the time came for that final shot... Because Kubrick also filmed everything in fucking sequence uh, on top of everything else because he's very meticulous and that's what he does. But And that's what he did. And the day he did get fucking finally whacked, nobody expected it to happen. So it was kind of a shock. It didn't happen in the book. The book had a different ending and nobody expected it. And yes, I was going to bring that same comparison up. He is Rob Dyer and it's actually sad <laughs> because so much went into it. Because he shined with Danny. Right. Danny called to him. The whole, And then we see so much goes into him getting there. And what Matt said may have been boring, may have been cut out, where I disagreed. I think it's essential to show the fucking man's determination. So, Ultimately, it's sad that fucking what happened is what happened. But I wouldn't no, take it out for dude, a second. Think about it. Do you know what this is? This is a Janet Lee moment in a weird way. Hmm. You know, Janet Lee, the amazing thing is that she was bumped off in the first, you know, third of the movie. But the amazing thing here is that you built this guy's character over two thirds of a movie and it's so fucking long that it's a bigger deal. And then you think that there's no way in the, in the world that we would be sitting through him on the phone, him <laughs> at right. an airport. Do it. There's no way that this will just bam, he's dead and this will go nowhere. So it's just like, what the fuck? Like, it's supposed to be jaw-dropping built on that premise alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a reverse Janet Lee. Hmm. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think every part of it is necessary. Yeah, I, think I guess it's you're right. To... Yeah, that Thank makes you. perfect sense. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I just thought you, you don't see stuff like that in normal film. You don't see people driving to their destination, <laughs> you know, and shit like that. So that that's, you know, what made me think of that. But you're absolutely right. Like I said, I wasn't ever bored in any of those scenes or anything. And it, ultimately, he was the hero. Even though he died, they wouldn't have been able to get out if it wasn't for him driving <laughs> that snowcat up there that they yep. drove off in. So. Yes, and he, and yeah. he, de- and he uh, detracted. And he fucking, you know, all of a sudden, Jack literally is in the fucking bathroom about to kill his wife a second away mm-hmm. yeah. and he fucking drops what he's doing at that very second solely because he hears that fucking snowcat come up. He didn't even finish the job. It could have been 30 more seconds. He could have fucking cut her up to death. He stopped right then and there and said, 
what the fuck, outsider, I got to take care of him. This is my job. He didn't even fucking think twice. Turned around, went right down there, and hit brilliantly. We'll get to that scene when it comes. Much to Grady's dismay. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, so, okay, let's jump back. Oh, you know, I just, I bought this on Blu-ray for the first time, and right away from the opening credits, man, is this not film not look phenomenal? I mean, the the helicopter shots for the drive up to the interview look fucking amazing. If you are going to watch this, you must see it on Blu-ray. It is incredible. I couldn't believe how good it looked, and I've seen this a lot. Um you know, probably like 20 times. So Dude, you, it, you've seen it on VHS on a rental yeah, piece. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, I've actually seen this in the theater uh, years ago. Uh, it was an actual print of the movie, and that was cool too. But yeah. So just, did I. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, later on. Yeah. Seeing Sorry. this seeing this on Blu-ray, uh, especially this opening, it, it is incredible. Um, <laughs> I just I wow. love it. <laughs> Uh, I, but it was easier to spot out the shadow of the helicopter in that one uh, scene. Did you guys see that? Really? Yeah, no, didn't I didn't even that? notice that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I was uh, too fucking hip- hypnotized by the music and the fucking landscape and just the way it's filmed. Yes, the music. Oh, Holy shit. Wow. It fits throughout this film. The music and music cues fit so perfectly. It... it it just adds to the depth of the entire thing. It goes hand in hand. Um, I don't. I don't know anything about the music. If Kubrick had his hand in it, how you know how much he had to do with it? But it fits so beautifully. I can't imagine it without this. Um, it, it's funny because I talked about 2001, and just a little trivia on that. He had somebody write an entire score for that movie, and then he ended up not using that and he used all pre-existing songs like every single bit of music in that movie already existed and the 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 guy the composer who did the music didn't realize it until he went to the theater to see it for the first time <laughs> so he's a little bit pissed about that um, everyone's yes. pissed at this guy yeah well, that's Kubrick though he Stephen does what the King. fuck he wants all, all, all geniuses have their haters right Alex Absolutely. Can we get into this? No. <laughs> <laughs> fucking horophilia, fucking oh, shit. <laughs> but it's true, and King does have objections, and I understand what they are. From his point of view, he wants to see. He didn't want Nicholson cast as that part. He's straight up. He's like, you know, well, fuck Stephen King. Let's see what he can do. Oh, yeah, he directed Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> How many other movies has he directed? Zero. Okay. Hold on. Stick to writing. I do understand what he's saying from his perspective because when he wrote the book, he created these characters. So he created a Jack Torrance and he created a fucking Wendy Torrance and he envisioned them to be this and to be that. And when the when he when he heard that Nicholson was going to be you know portraying Jack Torrance, he objected because obviously. Nicholson had a lot of crazy parts. He had done uh, Cuckoo's Nest and fucking Easy Rider and all them fucked up movies. He was already identifiable as a guy that, that that's kind of kooky, you know, and, and had done work like that. He wanted a guy to be more 
you know, like I was saying in the joke in the intro about Steven Weber, a guy that was that could that could play the role as a normal guy and then flip and then fucking completely flip over. He wanted him, him to be more identifiable with the hotel taking him over and flipping him. So I do understand that. Mm-hmm. But Nicholson's performance once he flips is so damn good that mm-hmm. nobody in their right mind could how could you possibly fucking be opposed to that after watching this film? You cannot be. His performance is so fucking good that it's utterly ridiculous to, for anyone to look at that and say he was the wrong choice for the part. That was what drew me to that movie in the first place the first time I saw it. I've seen this movie fucking 50 times probably. And that's what drew me to it the first time. You know, it was his performance as, as a fucking villain was masterful. Everything he did was incredible. You know, I, there's probably the best performance of a villain in, in film history. Hmm. You had to know that he was fucking crazy from the get go when he's riding when they're riding up there after the interview and all after. that. Yes. Yeah. After the yeah, in, in the interview, he actually seems somewhat normal and pleasant. yeah, completely normal, not and even I, somewhat. I think that's because his family isn't there, and a lot of this movie is about his resentment for being a father and a husband. I think. Um, but yes, when they're riding up there with his family <laughs> and he's just staring off grinning like fucking Jack Nicholson and his son's like, dad, I'm hungry. You know, <laughs> well, you should eat your breakfast. Well, yeah. you should eat your breakfast. Like your dad's <laughs> fucking crazy. Oh, well, why are you guys going up there with him? See, oh, man. But now I realize it upon mm-hmm. this viewing, I-, I took in different things. Um, mostly because uh, of watching all the the Kubrick documentaries and learning more about the filmmaking and just because I'm a different person now than I was 20 years ago the first time I saw it, etc. You know, I've come along. Now I'm watching it from a different perspective. And I got to tell you, I mean, I loved this movie before. After watching it now and everything I saw, everything I seen, pardon me. (laughs) (laughs) Watching... It's okay, man. It's all right. You'll be all right. After after seeing this, I feel like um, what's a good comparison? I fucking had sex with the same woman a thousand times, and then all of a sudden one day she blew she you. Fucking she turns around and puts a new position on me that she's never done before, and fucking it turns me on so much. Reverse cowgirl. I blew my fucking load in, in in a minute. That's what I felt like the last time watching this movie because of the documentaries I watched. And because of the person I am now and my respect for filmmaking and everything else, I watched upon this movie with like with new eyes and I took everything in a different way. And I loved this movie before. It was my favorite movie. Now, I didn't think it was possible to love it anymore. And I do. How convenient. Well, yeah, well, (laughs) this is, I'm sorry, this is what happened. And this is what I noticed. When he goes for the interview, he's a fucking nice guy. He's a swell guy. Now, even after the interview, when he calls home and talks to Wendy, he is still a small guy. I think you and Danny are going to love it up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to love it. Yeah. And he's talking. He's still a normal guy. Here's what I believe. I believe when he got to the hotel, he was a normal guy. And as soon as he set foot in there, that's when it starts to take place because it's starts to take him over. Now, what do you mean, Go ahead. ahead. He pulled the kid's arm out of his socket. Yeah. That's alcohol. That's irrelevant. That is alcohol, and that is something that's going to come out later on in the film. He slowly is going to be taken over by the hotel piece by piece, and, and 
I'll explain it as we go because I completely fucking am in tune with it. I, I think I am anyway. Not to fucking think I'm some expert. But this is what I saw the last time I watched it. Yeah, and he feels ultimately fucking guilty about what happened because he was drunk. And he came home, and yeah, he did his thing, and it was a mistake. And what did he do? He said, Wendy, I'll never touch a drop again. That was the line from the movie. And right then and there, an alcoholic stopped drinking because of what he saw he did to his son. So I think when you get to the heart of it, he is a fucking normal good guy that does have a problem with alcoholism. And that's, that's the, you know, that's the main theme of this book, if you read the book. It's all about a writer with alcoholism, which, of course, by the way, happened to be Stephen King. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of agree with you, Dave. I think that, yes, he is uh, an average guy who uh, is good, but he's in this relationship with his family that I don't think he wants to be in. And that's why he drinks, and that's why he, you know, let that take him over and physically harm his son in, in that instance. But then once uh, they go up to the Overlook, um, that hotel has a power of its own that is o able to take him over, essentially. Not take him over, but to transform him. Sure. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you on that. It is what, it, and you can really see it slowly happen throughout the film. And I took notes just so I could, could bring it up when the time comes, exactly when I, I believe it, it happened throughout the mm -hmm. film. That's why I think Kubrick is masterful in this movie. And that's why I don't mind that he threw out King's, you know, screenplay and, and did his own thing with the woman that he did it with. Because mm -hmm. it really come, it, it plays out perfectly as a man who slowly, you know, possessed, if you will. Uh, from the first time he sets foot in it up until the end when it when, you know when he's fucking completely gone then at the very end i think he has a moment of fucking realization but we'll get to that when the time comes same thing you know and king also objected to um you know Shelley duvall and once again you know i said it earlier about the cheerleader type the ex-cheerleader never had a run Shelley duvall plays a perfect role in this film as a person who's put up with somebody you could see her being pushed around and being controlled. She has to be the weak one. Yeah. Yes. If she was a strong yes. person, it wouldn't make sense at all. She is definitely a weak person, and that comes across in her performance in every single scene. She's making excuses for why yes. why Jack did it. She's constantly trying to, you know, be there for him when he clearly doesn't give a fuck about her <laughs> or their son even, you know, but she's still sticking it around. She's I'm going to stand by my man, you know, no matter what, you know, uh, until he bashes my brains in. So, But it's typical. Yeah, you see that with women that are in those kind of relationships. Yes. Yeah, it's an abusive relationship, and that's, yeah, she sticks around with it. And she is phenomenal in it. Oh, my God. Uh, the, yeah, and, and to see her from where she is in the first scene, uh, it, it's just great. It's a great arc, and... A lot of people attribute that to the director and the style mm -hmm. of filmmaking that he did and doing so many takes and really pushing <laughs> the actors to their breaking point, which I, I guess it worked, you know, because I think it's phenomenal. I think it's a little insane, but it, look at the outcome. It looks like it fucking worked. So Yeah, and I would say she really was in a very unhealthy relationship, and that's a really bad... Honey, I'm recording. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> just get the fuck out of my face. Oh, Thank Jesus. you. Thank God. you. Okay. She was in a really unhealthy I think you really need to correct her. Yeah? Correct. <laughs> yeah, I'll bash him right the fuck in. 
<laughs> Sorry, guys. I, I told her to stay out of the lounge. She just don't get it. Ain't like the dungeon. Uh, go ahead. I, I had no point I was making anyway. Uh, <laughs> so... You distracted me. I can't concentrate with you here. Hey, lasers. This is Gary from uh, Cinema Beef and the Bird and the Beard. Give you guy a, guys a what's up because it's your one-year anniversary. And I congratulate you guys. Guys put out quality programming and uh guys make me laugh when I'm feeling down. So uh top tier stuff for you guys, especially your Halloween retrospective. Actually the guy was on there, but it was really good nonetheless. Keep doing what you guys are doing for another year. I hope to hear from you guys soon. Baby silly guinea bastard, I love you, okay man? Bye. Hey, Matt and Dave, it's Garber calling to wish you guys a happy one-year anniversary on your show. It was a great year. We talked about possessed vaginas, hairy holes, fat, toothless Facebook admins. No, in all seriousness, you guys put on an awesome show. Love the news every week. You guys kick ass. Keep it up. the son Danny and he's a very young child this kid acted the shit out of this role and and that's hard to come by in such a a strange role that he has to do Uh, he has the ability that is known to dick dick hollering dick yelling whatever you call him (laughs) as the shining and you know it's it's the name yeah it's yeah dick screaming it's the name of the movie the shining okay well it's kind of confusing ultimately to me what the shining is because it seems like, well, hear me out. It seems like Danny has his shining, okay? And Dick Holleran has his shining. And to some extent, in my opinion, Jack Torrance has his ability to shine. Yes. And uh, by the um, way, it's the shin. You don't want to get sued. Oh, yeah. The, the shinning. <laughs> yeah. The shinning. Good, good point. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Okay, take for instance, when we're at the hotel and Dick, Holler, Dick Screaming is telling <laughs> Danny that... He, you know, he's explaining The Shining. He's like, it's passed down generationally. My grandmother and I used to have conversations without ever opening our mouths, you know. And that's where it stops with Dick. He, It was just about a mental connection where you can communicate with people. Well, that's not the case with No, fucking, no, 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 no. Let Dan. me interrupt. I'm sorry. He knows what's going on in room 237. And he knows that's fine. what's going on yeah, in the hotel. Yeah, he explains that. But okay. he explains that because the the hotel also has its own version of Shining, which he says, okay. and that it just you know it, it replays you know what he says. It just shows you pictures from a book and stuff like that. That's that's history shit. He can't yeah. see the future. Danny can see the future, in my opinion. All the stuff that he he knows that his dad got the job. 
No, he can, he, right. And the phone he, call's coming. He knows, yes. He can see the future, which makes me think that his shining is leaps and bounds beyond anyone else's shining in the movie, as, even the hotels. And <clears throat> it is, and it's the same, it's played out the same way in the book. Okay, okay, see, yeah. okay, that makes sense then. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if I was just pulling that out of my ass. No, no, it's a good observation. But yeah, Danny is definitely, it's it's actually, they talk about it. The only reason he is so strong and able to call to Dick way out in Florida is because his shining is so strong. And he okay. picks up on that. Or mm-hmm. an ordinary person wouldn't do it. And yes, it is hereditary because Dick got it from his grandmother. Well, Jack got it from, pardon me, well, Danny got it from Jack. Jack mm-hmm. obviously has it because he shines later. He shines the whole time. Everything that happens in 237 with the woman and everything else with Lloyd and fuck it. Everything else is because he shines. Mm-hmm. If he didn't have that fucking, you know, in his DNA or what have you, that wouldn't happen. So I think that Jack passed it on to Danny. And I also think that Jack drinks because of that. That, that leads to some of his alcoholism. That's oh, he drinks to suppress that kind of stuff? Yeah, he doesn't like it. I mean... He, he he fears it. He doesn't like the fact that he has it. I mean, he's a writer, so maybe that helps with his work. But, I mean, that's why later on when he goes to 237 and sees what goes down, he doesn't tell his wife that's what happened. Who the fuck would believe that? You know what I mean? So he sees all this shit, but he it's just not in his personality to, um, I guess, to express it. He He's an introvert in, in a matter of speaking, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. he lashes out and has his issue and deals with it by fucking, you know, getting into the sauce. <laughs> the, the sauce, yeah. And, and here's something that I really uh, like that Stanley Kubrick did. He made it very, at least for you know two hours of the movie, he made it very ambiguous as to what exactly was happening. Uh, you know, it could be just the father's insanity. You know, there's no real, real, real clear cut explanation. As to why there's um, why he's communicating with uh, quote unquote ghosts and stuff like that. Yes, later we find out that you know it ultimately is ghosts, but that's just part of the fascination I have with this movie is that you can walk through it and not truly understand what exactly you could you could go take it different ways. Essentially, is what I'm trying to say. You know, it could be just uh, Jack. You know, breaking down mentally, and or it could be ghosts. You know, well, you don't know. Here's where they defined it, because the scene when he's he's locked up in the freezer, like that was the turning point yep. for me. Because I thought he was just crazy. I thought this was all, you know, just in their heads and stuff like that. But then all of a sudden, a door is physically unlocked. So oh yeah, okay. Yep. That that really kind of changes everything. Hmm. At least how I was thinking going into that scene. Yeah. You're 100% behind you on that, Alex. Yes. And you you can honestly, I'll take it a step further. You, when he talks to Lloyd the bartender in the initial scene, and both scenes for that matter, and later on when he meets with Grady in the bathroom, in both instances, there's a mirror. There's a mirror in the Mm -hmm. bathroom, and there's a mirror behind the fucking liquor, uh, whatever you want to call it, where Lloyd is. So it could be perceived as him being crazy and talking to himself. Mm-hmm. But there's no mirror right. when fucking Grady lets him out of that fucking, of the walk-in pantry. You, you, you hear the noise, the, you know, the fucking noise of the lock being unlocked and the conversation. Okay, well, one more chance. We're going to fucking let you do what you can do. See, you know, 
all right, let's see if you can do your job. We're going to give you a fucking a pass. And then, yeah, obviously, Grady unlocked them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's where it, yeah, I can see where you'd be thinking that. Yeah, yeah. it was just like, because, uh, you know, the whole point of that scene is it's silent for 10 seconds, and you wonder if that's really going to happen. And then they give you the answer. Yep, it's real. Ghosts are real, you know. Well, here's something else with that scene in the bar with Lloyd and Jack. The first time, you know, he wanders into the gold room. He just had an argument with with Wendy. (laughs) Sits down, you know, he wants to fucking drink so bad to alleviate his pain. Then all of a sudden, boom, there's a bartender there and a wall of booze. And he just goes with it. (laughs) You know, I guess it's just him not being mentally stable but you know there's if he's the one he says you know like hi lloyd it's kind of slow tonight or something like that <laughs> hey, he knew no, his name yeah yep. oh yeah that too yeah, yeah there's really no there's no like it. there's no like uh uh time to uh understand what's happening he fucking no. totally understands what's happening right away he's like yeah there's a bartender here his name's lloyd Here's the big question. Was it Jason Lloyd? No, it's kidding. No. <laughs> here's because he's at the Stanley Hotel. No, here's here's the big question now. Does that alcohol truly get him drunk? I was wondering that too. Yes. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, he's drinking, quote unquote. But is he really drinking, or sure is it is. just, yeah, I don't know. Is That's how ju- they seduce him. That's mm-hmm. the ultimate seduction. They prey into his weakness. That's what they do. So they serve him alcohol, knowing that he really wants a drink because his actual, his exact lines are fucking, uh, um, what the fuck does he say? I, I give my soul for one goddamn drink. Mm-hmm. You know. And oh, puts, and that's when Lloyd comes. Yeah, and then he you're puts right. his hands over his face because he's stressing out, and then he fucking releases them. I remember the first time I saw this movie, and he looks and he says, "Hello, Lloyd." But it's slow tonight, isn't it? And starts laughing, <laughs> you know, real loud. And then I, the first time I saw this movie, I remember. I'm thinking he's cracked up and he's talking to himself, you know, and he's just fucking around. Then you turn around, boom, and there's fucking Lloyd right there. Mm-hmm. And then they have that conversation. I like you, Lloyd. I've always liked you. Best goddamn bartender, you know, goes on and does the whole fucking thing. And, you know, sure, the alcohol seduces him with the ghost because he asks for it. I, you know, I give my soul for one goddamn drink. And that was like the final nail in the coffin of the, uh, them shining with him. And it was, okay, boom, fucking there's your deal. Here's your fucking drink, buddy. Here's your fucking Jack Daniels. Do what you're going to do. And now we're going to talk to you about why you're here and what we want you to do. Yeah, okay, let's talk about that. Because um, now in the interview, um the the his boss tells him the story of Charles Grady. He killed his two young girls, which in the story are not twins, and I... uh, that happened in 1970. So uh, seemingly there hasn't been an instance uh, until now. He's the next next version. So what is it about these certain families that the hotel is attracted to? Is it The Shining? that they do and what why do they want uh you know him to kill his family what's their purpose behind what's it? the gain of it right well i was kind of thinking because i was thinking that this time because i'm trying to be super analytical i was thinking and it got me uh on this whole dick versus danny thing about the shining it's like well danny is like super powerful with his shining i think that the hotel 
wants that power with them forever because there's this whole thing about everybody who's at the hotel has been there forever. Jack talks about it. He's in the picture at the end. I think that they, he wants, he's easily seduced because of the booze and stuff. The hotel wants him to kill his family. Then they'll have Danny forever and his stronger ability to shine. And I think they just want to be more powerful. The hotel does. That makes sense. Sure. Of course they want to be more powerful. And, and of course, it doesn't affect everybody because not everybody shines. That's what it comes down to. I mean, think about 1970 and this is 1980. So they've had people in between, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they've come and they've had the caretaker and they're fine. But they're, they don't have that perception. They don't have ESP or shining or whatever you want to call it. They're not privy to that. So they're not going to notice it. They're just going to do their thing. Maybe there's a little noise or something. Maybe it's haunted. Whatever you want to say. Well, but, here's a... You know? Another another part is that with Wendy at the end, she sees the Furby sucking the old man off, and she's <laughs> she sees she sees the guy who says you know what a lovely party or whatever she's freaking the fuck out, and she goes into the gold room. And hey, how does see- how does she see that stuff? Because yeah. the hotel's taken over at that point because they've grown so strong they've overtaken Jack by that point. They're mm-hmm. fucking, they've taken over. It's a slow okay. progression yeah, from sense. the beginning to the end. When you get to the end, the shit hits the fan, so to speak. That's fucking it. They've taken over, and they know that they're stronger than fucking everything else. They don't get, they have nothing to hide now. They have Jack just where they want him. He fucking shines. They want him. They know they want him to kill fucking Danny. They got their whole thing. They've taken over because they got two people that shine in that house. They got Jack and they have Danny, that house, that hotel. But you know what I'm saying? This, the shorter version is they're strong enough, they're powerful enough that they've completely taken over what's theirs. And there's nothing well, to hide at that point. Here's one thing. I don't know if you guys want to get to this now. It kind of seems like we should at the end. But you know, <laughs> Matt's wondering why they chose these people and is it because they're shining? Shining? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, clearly there's some reason they chose him which we all see at the very last shot. So what's the answer to that? Because you read it, Dave, so you know. Yeah. Yeah, you got all the answers, motherfucker. Tell us. Why? <laughs> Why is he in that picture? Hold on, let me go pee, all right? <laughs> you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Lloyd. Been away, now I'm back. Good evening, Mr. Torrance. It's good to see you. It's good to be back, Lloyd. What would be so? Hair of the dog that bit me. Bourbon on the rocks. That'll do it. Your arms held a message saying I surrender all my love to you. Well, you see, that that's that's a Kubrick thing, and that's something that we're all sitting here talking about and this is what a guy like that wants in his movies that was not part of the book the book did not end that way that was something kubrick threw in so that that's entirely it's entirely up to interpretation uh everyone has a different theory one of the theories is uh you know from where i sit he talks about it earlier he felt like he's been there before. He says it to his wife while he's still somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. He wakes up in the bed. She serves him breakfast. Even at that point, when he wakes up from that sleep, 
he's normal and he's talking to him and she she made him the breakfast and they're getting along just <laughs> fine. He's not an asshole yet, even at that point. Yeah, he's, he's like, back. I love it. Right, eat, yeah. Eating bacon. Exactly. I just, I just love it. Dipping it into his sunny side <laughs> up. Yeah, doing his thing. He still had a look moment earlier, but he's not, you know, you still see old Jack where he's not such a bad guy. And he's talking, I love it. Yeah. And he says, you know, and he even pokes fun at it. You know, the first time I came here, it was like almost like a, as if I knew what was around every corner. Mm-hmm. woo He was making fun of the whole situation. But the fact is, you know, the way I see it, it's interpretation. He's an old soul, and he's been there before. And it's just like what Grady said to him later. He goes, you're the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. I should know I have always been here. Do so you it's think like, he is Grady then? Like somehow they're the same soul? Not. No, I don't think that at all. I think great. Here's another thing about Grady. He's introduced as Charles Grady when fucking Omen is talk. Omen is talking to Jack in the beginning about it about yeah. 1970. Okay, later on you meet Grady the Butler from 1921, and his name is Delbert Grady, right. and it's a completely different situation. Now, why would he do that? Except for people like us to sit here and dissect just to fuck it. with us, right? For people to dissect and to come up with their own interpretations, which Man. I haven't seen all of Kubrick's movies. I don't know. You have. I don't know if they're all like this, but it seems to me... Uh, the majority of them. Okay. So it's all up to the viewer to interpret it. Now, there's the first theory is that he's always been there because he's a ghost and he has an old soul that's been there. Or possibly they are the ghosts or the souls of the Indians in the burial ground that it was built upon. How about that? Uh, mm-hmm. These are just things. Is that, that cost from the book too? The Indian burial ground shit. I believe so. Yeah. Oh, Wait, okay. but did they steal that from Amity, or did Amity steal that from here? That's as old as fucking time. And, and anytime you see anything about a fucking Indian burial ground, that's just like old folklore about about native burial ground. You didn't tell me it was built on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> no, you did it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it's not my recollection. He says he mentioned it five or six times. <laughs> right? <laughs> they did it. Poltergeist. They did it in that. Right. They did it in this. It's a fucking big thing with 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 the uh, you know a Native American burial ground. It's just something that I guess it's it's become mm-hmm. common folklore and horror. But that's just it about that movie. It, it, the end of it comes and you see him in that, which I think is brilliant. It just adds to, you know. More questions about the movie. He's always been there. I or, love that. I love this kind of shit. Oh man, that's yeah, what for, I'm saying. To, to it, raise questions and for you to formulate your own opinion. Yeah, I don't need it all laid out like you know, and maybe in Stephen King's version. This this is awesome. This gives us room for interpretation. What do you think? I don't know. It's, right, it's great. It's, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it, it, there, a lot of this is room for interpretation, and that's you know. It's one of the great things about the movie is that you look at it and, and you take it in and, oh, that's fucked up. Okay, well, whatever. Take it for what it is and, and come up with your own decisions. You know, it's whatever. Uh, another uh, discrepancy, you know, even between Charles and Delbert is they say Charles kills his family, hacked him up into bits, and his girls were five and eight. Well, when Danny sees the twins right. uh, multiple times, they're twins, you know. They they can't be Obviously. five and eight. There's no way, right? <laughs> uh, so that's another discrepancy. I mean, the two twin girls. I mean, come on. This well, I think is... the fraternal twins. <laughs> I agree. They are fraternal. Three three years apart. 
Well, they are still working. <laughs> it's an interpretation. What a long fucking birth that was. <laughs> was in labor for fucking over three years. Jesus Christ, lady. No wonder he killed the Oh, you know, I'm glad you... Crazy. I'm glad you brought that up. What do you the guys think of this part? You know, like, uh, as soon as Danny gets there, I believe, he sees, he has that first like, crazy yeah, in the vision. game room. Yeah. Yeah, right. God. And a month goes by and absolutely nothing happens. Why yeah, do you think it does it... jump a month? It's crazy. Yeah. Right. It kicks into high gear like shit's going down right away. Then all of a sudden a month goes by and no one is, has anything to say about anything that's been going on. It's all normal and it all starts a month later. Why would that be? And it took the family a month before they went out into that hedge maze? Come on. <laughs> I would have gotten way bored. Yeah, right. Within week one and gone out there. Yeah, a tennis ball against the wall is not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> it looked but fun. they're setting up shop. They're setting up shop for a little bit. Okay? Yeah. It takes a little time. He's writing, sure, he's got something going on. They're learning the layout of it. Danny is not going to go venturing immediately into fucking foreign places without his parents. He's going to take a little time to get used to it. Remember, he looks older and he acts older, but he's still a five-year-old boy, five or six. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think I think it would take him a little time before he ventured out that far on his big wheel. You know, he, he was going to stick close to the parents. That that doesn't bother me. Well, I'll tell you what. I I want to give props to the 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 beginning of the film when they first get to the hotel, and I really noticed this the last time for the first time ever, is that when they get to the hotel and Omen's giving them the grand tour, they go through every part. They go through the Colorado room. They go through the gold room. They go through the, and then Dick takes them to the fucking pantry. Every part that they show, they're all, obviously they're all set pieces that were built, but whatever. Everything they show later on, it's a foreshadowing of later on in the movie and the fucking, the horrific scenes we're going to see take place in those very rooms. I think it, I think it's magnificent. I never really picked up on it before, but they're basically, and I'm looking at it from a different perspective, saying, oh, yeah, this is the part, except it comes from a different angle. Later on, yeah, she comes in. That's just good storytelling. Like, you know, it, if you're going to have something wow. pay off, you got to set it up. You know, this is where something is going to happen later. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's fucking fantastic. And, of course, you know, I'll say it again, but the way it's filmed, the cinematography, how, you know, the cameras move with that wide-angle lens. And this guy, he invented the fucking study cam. His name is Garrett Brown. The guy who he's shot it. Him, right. Inventor and operator. And he's yep. there doing all this fucking amazing filming. And, you know, he's panning through the fucking Colorado room where they're going through it. And, you know, later on we're going to see that's where Jeff's going to do most of his writing, all of his writing. And then, you know, they're going here and they're going there and they have these POV shots. And I know I'm going on and on about Just, them, just you know, him following Danny in the trike in the hallways. Well, it's amazing. You know how they did that? They did the, there was a fucking wheelchair used in that shit. Oh, really? <laughs> of course, you can't escape it. Why did you say es- that you're the Strike and ban. <laughs> we can't fucking escape it. Yes. You don't like those shots? <laughs> they used a wheelchair. Strike and ban. <laughs> fucking wheelchair. Oh, how about this? I Give me a, a Jimmy fucking... John's. <laughs> Hold the onions. No, I found... <laughs> I found a fucking huge flaw in this movie, and oh, sweet. yes, I'm so yeah. glad this yes. fucker over here cannot. I have an answer. Shit. You can't right, say shit. 
I'm ready. ready. Let's Say yeah, it. I'm ready for this. Wait, I got one. Ready? Say it, new kid. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, new kid. <laughs> <laughs> Back Whoa. when you were sucking your mom's nipples for no, it's okay. All right. So I was doing that the other day. <laughs> the other day. Yeah, we're still getting that. Uh, check this out. Big Bring flaw. It. Big flaw. Bring it. So she says to the lady at her house, Shelly Duvall, that Jack pulled the arm out of the kid. And he has not drank for five months, correct? Correct. Okay. <laughs> I think, no, did she say five months? No, she yes. says, no, she doesn't say five months. She says hasn't touched it since. Since. Correct. No, whoa. Okay, whatever. Okay, here's the point. He was in preschool. He got pulled out. Yeah. She goes, and he hasn't touched it. I think she's covering for him. Well, the because point. Because he, he says five months. You're going to talk about the timeline, Al? Really? I sure am. <laughs> hey, because man. one month later, he says. Yes! Yeah, but there you go. Matt just said she doesn't say five five months. months. I think she's covering it up. Someone says five months before a month goes by, and he still says five months to that guy Lloyd. Well, I don't know. I don't think it was her, though. And I both agreed that they said since then, but they didn't say how long ago it was. But it was before he talked to Lloyd. I I remember they had only been there for three months. They only moved to Colorado for three months. That I know for a fact. They said, how long have you been in Colorado? She said, we moved here three months ago. Yada, yada, yada. This happened. This this was the injury. I'm going to find the tape. I think she she was just either covering for him or he's he's slipping it on the side because that's what you you do. Well, sure. You can say that. You kept drinking. (laughs) Yeah. But he did say five months and he had no reason to lie because he was only talking to Lloyd. Right. And himself and the ghost. His best I mean, friend. Yeah, why not be honest at that point? <clears throat> but let me go Excuse back me. to how we started uh, me talking about the scenes and, and, and the twins. Because I don't want to leave anything out. Because And twins! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of the movie that we're talking about, the caliber of this movie. When he is, when Danny is in there, in the in, in the opening part when they're first there, and he's playing the fucking darts. Mm-hmm. And he's doing his thing. That fucking scene right there, and I, since the first time I've seen this movie, he's playing the darts. All of a sudden, you hear the music fucking, it's warming up, you know? You know something's happening. You hear that little whistle. And then all of a sudden, the way they do that, and, and not just in that scene, but they use zooms fucking masterfully throughout Oh, this yeah, movie. the zooms oh, are my crazy, God. dude. In yeah, zoom. crazy. Yeah. Oh. So now he's doing the darts. He pulls the darts off. They zoom in on him. And you see his fucking expression looking at the twins. Ordinarily, you would think that they would zoom in on the twins, and then you're going to see his expression. That's what's masterful about the way this fucking thing is filmed. All of a sudden, there he is. He turns around. Boom. Zoom in on his face. And I feel like I'm right there with him. I, I get his fear when he turns and he sees those two fucking twins holding hands, looking at him and snickering a little bit. Then they turn around and they walk out of the game room. That, to me, is fucking extremely scary. To this day... How about when they look at each other before they walk? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is it's so fucking, fucking weird. Yeah. It's sinister. It's fucking sinister and it's scary. And I like I said, I feel like I'm right there with Danny, mm-hmm. experiencing that with him. And it happens again, but that's just the introduction of that shit. That's yeah, he, at that point in time, he's not he's not shown the aftermath of when they're murdered. That's later <laughs> when he sees them again and they say they start to speak to him. Come Except play for with the us, blood. Danny. Except Don't for the blood by the elevator. He sees just... that, but that that's a revelation of what happens at the end of the movie. Yeah, um, and you know, that was weird, too, with the blood. It usually gets off at the second floor. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a big Simpsons fan. <laughs> Dude, how awesome though is that that image of the blood exiting the elevator? It is oh, incredible, and they use it like three, four times. Yeah. in the movie, they're like, "This was good shit. We're reusing oh, it." Well, bitch. yeah, because I just can't imagine how many gallons of that shit they had to do that and to film that. It's incredible. I'll but tell you. It literally happens at the end. Wendy sees it. And I think right. that's when it actually happens. Yep. Right. And so, yeah, I think that's just one of the things that Danny sees, you know, that Tony tells him about um, whenever, you know, before they go out there. And I think that actually happens whenever Wendy sees it. Maybe not. I don't know. No, but... no, I, I agree that, that yeah. she sees it as, as right. it's okay. real time. He, you know, obviously he shines, he sees it, that part of his fucking skill, and Tony telling him. But let me tell you this, there's two things about that scene. I remember being a child and being in the movie theater for a different movie. Maybe Star Wars or Star Trek. I don't know, it was before 80, so it must have been 79. I don't know, if that's how young it was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was just a fucking little kid, little, little, you know? When saw The Exorcist. You know, no, I didn't. The fuck out. I, I don't know what I saw, but here's the deal. This this will lead me to the second point. I saw this, and I saw this shit coming out. This was the trailer. You can see the trailer on the Blu-ray or the DVD, and it's All just right. that scene and the music playing, and it's fucking badass. I remember being a kid and being six years old or whatever, and watching that fucking thing and seeing that come out. I thought it was lava. I never even <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> I'll never forget that. It Welcome to, to Pompeii. Me, <laughs> I never imagined it as being blood. I always, my first thought the first time I saw that was lava. Now, Stanley Kubrick had that trailer played as a trailer to movies for all audiences. You know how sometimes you go to the movies and you see this has been approved for so-and-so? Mm -hmm. It was an all-audiences trailer. So he pulled a fast one on the MPAA. They said, well, you can't show blood. Well, Stanley Kubrick said, well, listen to me. That's not fucking blood. That is fucking rusty water from the old elevator. <laughs> oh, my the, How can it be yes, that much blood? It makes no sense. The master that he is, he got away with it, and he influenced a fucking six-year-old kid like me to actually see fucking blood flowing from that thing. Wow, so that's what's fucking wrong with you, Dave. I get it now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> We're supposed and to believe that to much blood. That yeah. much blood came from two... What, did he kill the fucking Brady Bunch or his two daughters? <laughs> I don't think it's from that. I, I just think it's a... Uh, you know, it's an exposition of the hotel <laughs> as is and everyone that's been murdered there. Because mm -hmm. if you read the book, there's a whole lot of fucking history. A lot more people have been murdered than that. And it's weird what Kubrick does because he, he touches one little point here from the book. Like, there's this one little part when he... Uh, the, the, the scene we were talking about earlier when he was eating the bacon, saying, I love it, and he's in bed. He has a t-shirt on, and he's in the mirror, and the t-shirt says, Stovington. That is the mm -hmm. only thing taken from the book. Stovington was the college that fucking Jack Torrance ta taught at that he actually got fired from because he beat up a kid that fucking slashed his tires. That comes right <laughs> really? from the book. And it's a little tiny thing that he put in there. Stovington huh. Eagles. Yes, and nobody knows about it unless you know about the book. So Why you was Stephen King so pissed then? Well, I mean, that's all <laughs> put that in there. I mean, come on. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Your stupid college. I kept the kid's name as Danny. I mean, shit. <laughs> I didn't change everything. So, so he did that. Now, later on, when he meets Grady in the bathroom, and he says, I saw your fucking picture in the paper. That really makes no sense unless you know the story. Because um, when did Jack see a paper? He, yeah. In the book, 
he he went through all these big scrapbooks and he saw all about the history of the hotel and all the terrible things that have happened and there were a bunch of them okay so you learn about the history of the hotel in the book the one scene the, the amazing scene when fucking Wendy comes down into the Colorado room and he's typing and it's the first time he really fucking starts to turn and he says get the oh, fuck out the of here that scene okay? is incredible it is incredible yeah. but nobody notices this right to the right of him there's a scrapbook open with the newspaper clippings pasted oh, on fucking you're different kidding. Okay. And unless so you're he was being, learning about the history of the hotel okay. yes and maybe the scenes were cut there's no cut scenes on the DVD or the Blu-ray, so we don't know. Maybe Kubrick filmed it and then decided, well, there's no room for it, or whatever the fuck. It was never shown, but you can see that huh. scrapbook there, and that and that's why it does make sense that he said, "I know it's you. I saw your picture in the paper." When he uh, says, "Okay, that does make sense." So he did, but that all is lifted right from the book. Hmm. And yeah, Matt. and that scene is ah fucking incredible. And every Dude. time I see it, I can't help but laugh. Ever since I've been a, a youngster. Watching this movie, when he talks to his wife that way, oh, to me, just he's fucking evil. slams her ass, dude. dude Fuck you. You gotta it's play incredible. that. You gotta play that in this show. Oh, it's so <laughs> great. And we're gonna make a new rule. Whenever I'm in here and you hear me typing, whether you don't hear me typing, what the, the fuck you hear me doing in here when I'm in here, that means that I am working. That means don't come in. Now, do you think you can handle that? Yeah. Fine. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here? I laugh out loud every single fucking time I see Me that too. scene. I laugh. It's humorous. I know he's being an asshole, but it's oh, just this portrayal of it. Yeah. Just, it makes me fucking smirk. It makes me laugh. I don't know. Because he's so good. Yes. He is so good. And that that is like the first scene where it's like, okay, yeah, he is wrong. fucking crazy. That's the first scene where it's really mm-hmm. is like there's something wrong with this guy. And you better fucking look out. And you know, from then on, it's, it's something is going to happen. Yeah, incredible. And look how submissive she was. She didn't even like say, "Why are you talking to me like that?" Like nothing. No. That's exactly <laughs> how her character would be in this kind of relationship. It works perfectly. Yes, that's mm-hmm. why. Like when, when Jordy left us that email before, was it Jordy that said it about? Somebody said it about the, Tony the, T. Tony. Tony T. Yeah, Tony T. Said something about the characters not liking you and this and that and. You know, I, I could see from a, a certain perspective why he would say that, but for this that's, movie, that's the, that's the normal outline. But this is different because you see, this is more realistic though. Because right. even the way they cast these people, she's not exactly a looker, so she's mm-hmm. kind of happy that pretty much right. any guy is with her. Yep, I mean, exactly. face it, You know, so she's gonna be the submissive cover for my husband wife. Yes, and that's you, she plays you it. it yeah. Yes. You fucking nailed it. That's exactly why she fits perfectly in this role, and that makes perfect sense. And fucking Kubrick, more than anybody, drove her fucking nuts on that set to the point where fucking Nicholson said her performance was the most difficult thing I've ever seen an actor take on. And he says Hmm. she is a great performer. He does nothing but praise her and says that. They drove her fucking nuts, and he would not let anybody else on the set. If he chastised her for something, he told everybody on the set, do not try to comfort her. Do not fucking say anything. Did you see the the behind-the-scenes footage That's what I'm talking about. I saw that. She is annoying as fuck. I can understand. You You have to understand why. Look what the fucking people put her through. 
She's oh, man. What do you mean? What'd she do? Well, she's giving interviews, and she's talking about this experience, you know, and obviously uh, the director is hard on her, and she's like, I understand why he's doing it. He's trying to get certain things out of us. Then they cut to them actually on set, and she's talking to the director and, and just saying, you know, kind of complaining a little bit, and he's just like, you know, he's just blowing her off. He's like, like well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Basically. But she's kind of, you know, she's so, like, mousy and kind of annoying and and how she acts and stuff like that. And that's really her, you know. She's yeah, not, like, anyway. acting then, you know. And you can tell, you can see that it's it's not just the character, but it's her a little bit, too. And <laughs> and why Kubrick kind of slammed down on her to, to force this kind of performance out of her because he knew that he could. He knew right. that he could overpower her. Mentally, essentially. And he did. Yeah. And he did it, but you got to remember. Remember the scene where that happens? They're out in the maze, and she's in the house, and there's a discrepancy. I, I, I assume you're talking about the same scene that I'm remembering. Yeah, where she okay. yeah, has to open the door, and she's yes. complaining about it. It's yes. like, huh, so I was ready to go then, and now I'm not ready, and all of a sudden it's go now. It's like, well, fuck right. you. You're an actor. Who cares? Yeah, but there, he's fucking with her. There's 20 minutes left in the film of what we're going to see in the film. And like I said, he filmed it chronologically. So we're getting to the end of this movie, which, by the way, was supposed to be filmed in 100 days and was filmed in 250 days. <laughs> that is... Okay. <laughs> Nobody okay. does that shit. Nobody How do you get does. the fucking money and rights to do that these days? And you do not. Right. Holy That's shit. what I'm saying. Cooper put these actors through hell. Scatman Carruthers fucking had to shed tears at one point. To fucking get things to stop. I'm the now, scat But man. here's the deal. Scatman <laughs> and Wendy, pardon me, not Wendy, and Shelly both have said, well, Scatman didn't say, I saw an interview, you probably saw the same thing I did. He was crying in the He was interview. also crying there. Yes, saying, <laughs> I'm surrounded by the most wonderful people. I believe that he, yes, he <sighs> really respected what was going on, but he was fucking at that same time. He was, he was tortured, man. Yes, he was. And you know that shit at the end? Well, we'll get to it later. But For that bit Wendy, part, he was tortured? Oh, yes. Dude. For that big part, <laughs> like, come on, it took man. 144 fucking takes. It's a world record for that fucking little scene where he's, in, where he's fucking explaining to Danny what The Shining is. And yeah, they that scene one sucked. It wasn't 144 <laughs> fucking takes. Think wow. about that. He said to him, I, Mr. Kubrick, what do you want from me? You know, he's not a method actor, Scatman Carruthers. He was only on the job because he was a friend of Nicholson's, and Nicholson suggested him to Kubrick, and he came on the job. I'm not trashing him, but he's not a method actor. He's worked with, you know, the things he did were not fucking that deep as what he was doing in this picture. You know what I'm saying? If this was shot on tape, this was shot on film, so this was like six miles of film for that one. super expensive. Yeah. I I don't understand how... Yeah, these days they wow. want you to shoot a film in like 20 days. Right. And if right. you go over, well, that's it. You don't get any more time to fucking film. Sorry. I don't know how. I, who knows? You know, right? it's a different had, different system now. It's crazy. They had to wait for him. Spielberg wanted to film fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. And there was another movie that were going to be filmed from those sets. The Colorado Room is fucking filmed, is shown in Raiders of the Lost Ark as a different room. They had to wait. Really? And the Colorado room fucking burnt down because they had 700,000 fucking watts at all times after the winter started outside that oh, room. Oh, the lights? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To make it look like they were fucking in, a, in, in snow and they were fucking whited out. So they had these 700,000 fucking watts at all times. They were sweating 
fucking people out. Would you ever guess, though, that those were sets? I mean, with the light coming in like that, looks incredible. You would think they were on... In the hotel at all times, you would think that. Or you're just too wrapped up in the in the performances. You know? Well, that too. You don't yeah. even think about that shit. You know, mm-hmm. it's just perfect. Like, Do you realize that uh, shit though? The craftsmanship. Kubrick sent people around the United States and Europe and said, "I want pictures of this hotel room and this hotel room and this hotel lobby and this and this and this." And they brought them back to him, and he handpicked every fucking room that that was filmed in that thing. He goes, "I want this rug in this room. I want this here. I want this here, and I want it built just like this, mm-hmm. fucking to a T." He had these people fucking do this for him. And like I said, it was a real elaborate thing. They were writing new scripts every day. They were writing so many scripts that Jack Nicholson would not look at the script. Did you see that part in the documentary? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When fucking yeah. he goes, I don't even look at him. And, and, and Kubrick's mother's there. And she's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I'm, I goes, I am serious. He goes, I don't even look at the scripts until they're given to me that fucking day. It's kind of like this show. <laughs> <laughs> Happy one year anniversary. Yeah, I was cleaning up the uh, laser lounge. Act. Act. I'm going to do my God own show here. Act better. God damn it. Uh. <laughs> but Wendy was fucking frazzled, and he did that to her intentionally, and everyone has her back on it. And she says, I, I, I would never trade that for the world, that experience, but I also would never do it again. So yeah. he really did write her. So, Matt, what you were saying before about that scene when she was being the way she was, that's the tail end of the film. They had already been doing that for probably 200 days. He was fucking... So she was already broken by that that point. Yes. It was in sequence, yeah. Mm -hmm. He was riding this woman and all of them, getting every fucking thing out of them they could because Kubrick wanted them all to be genuinely fucking fucked up in the head. So it portrayed... So yeah, so it conveyed itself on the film. Hmm. That's what's so incredible about their performances. Yes, I guess maybe Kubrick's a madman himself, but I mean... a little bit. Look what the end result is. Ends justify the means, I suppose. And Danny Lloyd, yeah, they fucked with him a little bit, but not too bad. Yeah, he's a kid. One... They shouldn't have done that shit with the 144 takes, man. Well, you know what? No, Scatman had 144 in the same scene. He was given, I think, between 60 and 80. Still a lot for a child. Oh, yeah. Jesus Still a Christ. lot. Yeah. Isn't he normally like three or four? Right. <laughs> yeah. He was not in the scene when the shit hit the fan after fucking 237. Remember that scene when she picks him up and she goes, you did this to him, that whole situation? They did not put him in that scene. That was a dummy she was holding. They only let him be, yeah. He thought it was a drama. He didn't know it was a horror movie until 17 years later when he watched it. Get the fuck out of here. 17 years later? Yep. He was not subjected to any of that shit. Now, Kubrick originally wanted the Close Encounters kid the kid that was in Close Encounters, to play that part, and his parents objected because of the nature of the film. They said, no, we're not going to put our kid through that. And one more little tidbit. <laughs> that fucking boy, Danny Lloyd, made one more film, a brief appearance two years later, playing like a young Jagger Hoover, I think. And that was Anal Intruders, part 17. <laughs> he was you know, Dick Smothers. Of... <laughs> <laughs> it may as well have been. Dick Screaming. <laughs> Dick screaming, Dick screaming, Dick Smothers, everybody. Dick Smothers. <laughs> but he has not fuck? acted since. That's the only thing he, he's been in. I was going to ask that, too. Like, what else? Because I thought he was pretty talented. I was wondering if he was He was very was talented. He probably got turned off because Kubrick was his first director. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. All movies are like this? Show. Fuck that. Okay, right. So is Home Depot hiring? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's a teacher of science or something else or whatever it is. Science. Whatever um, it is. <laughs> That's we what he science. ended up doing. The so they all <laughs> went through hell. That's the bottom line. Nicholson was fucked up. 
I guess he was living with Angelica Houston at the time. He would come home at night and go directly to bed. He would only sleep in the car or right when he got home. He was fucked up. They were all fucking frazzled. Everybody hmm. on that set. But Kubrick was making a horror film, and he wanted fucking his people to, to seem like they were, you know, really fucking going through traumatic, you know, things. And they <laughs> were. They just act better. <laughs> and you guys... Either you act like you're fucking nuts, or I'm gonna do 130 takes of every fucking. Imagine, scene. imagine James Wan making the first <laughs> scene movie, and he's like, oh, "I, re- I want to get the most out of my actors, so uh, I'm really gonna put you in these traps. Uh, it's for realism. I mean, you can't act that good, so yeah. <laughs> you know, just climb through this barbed wire. Just do it. It's fine." <laughs> <laughs> God, so stupid. Yeah. Like, I would love to see like the 18th take compared to like 64 and 101. I bet once you get to like 100, it's vastly different. Just because, yeah, well, you've Fred. done it. You've done it a hundred times. Of course, it's going to be different, and it's going to be like you're not even going to realize how different you are just because you're tired of fucking doing it. It's that's crazy. 177 um, takes. That was the number for fucking for Scatman Carruthers on that fucking scene. How fucked up is that, though? 177. And one Sorry. more thing I want to add. Did you know that fucking little Danny Lloyd, he created the finger Tony? Yeah? Really? Torrance. Yeah, initially in the script, it was, he was just talking to himself. This fucking little brilliant little boy, Danny Lloyd, held up a finger and fucking moved it. And that fucking, hmm. that was it. He came up with that whole idea of moving the finger for Tony. And then I guess they found out that he had amazing concentration for, you know, a child of that age. So, boom, that was his. We'll do the best we can. We'll just fucking wing it the first the time. The best we can. We'll probably... You're gonna be the best, or if I have to beat it out of you, you motherfucker. Motherfucker, it's gonna take two like it always does. We're gonna do uh, we're gonna do 88 takes like Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> 144 for one fucking scene from Scatman <laughs> Setting a world record for that, man. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Okay, I got one for you. Be Bring honest. I know Matt's not going to have a real answer because he was just way too young. Well, okay, Dave, when did you see this? First time. How about this? I don't remember. Okay, well, let's see if you remember I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I should remember, but I've did seen the you, Did you know what Red Rum was? Did you put that together oh, yeah, before no. they showed it in the mirror? Here's the, here's the funny thing. No, I didn't. And I remember being at a party when I was a child. And hearing my parents and aunts and uncles, and they were talking about this movie. And they were talking about Red Rum. Oh, yeah, The Shining. I don't know what the conversation entailed, but they were speaking of this movie, The Shining, and they were talking about Red Rum. And me as a kid, somehow, I associated it with alcohol. Red Rum. I, 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 I <laughs> Gee, it's a stretch. 
<laughs> it was a drink. You know, I, I didn't. I never knew what they meant. And then I saw later on. I don't remember the the moment where uh, the moment of realization with the mirror and how it hit me, or if I knew or not, or somebody spilled the beans. I, I, I'm very vague on, my, on that part. But did you know the, what it was? Well, there were beans at that now. party. <laughs> um, I don't remember if I knew what it was when I watched it ten years ago or whatever, but unfortunately, it's sort of popular. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah, I just wasn't really amazed this time around. It's like but, trying to watch The Sixth Sense now for the first <laughs> yeah. time. It's like not gonna work. Or wondering yeah. if who's the killer in Friday the Thirteenth? <laughs> you know, like I don't know. It's just I, I don't think you can even get that anymore. I mean, my my believe it, my girlfriend can actually. Hmm. Oh, so, really? She didn't know? She Well, two days ago I said to her, uh, let's watch The Shining again because I wanted to really watch it again for this. And then she said, you know, <clears throat> I never have and I really don't want to. It just seems boring. But hmm. I guess it's something you should watch once in your life. And I'm like, huh. I'm like yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. And then um, we just had sex and fell asleep. So, ah. so Happy ending. Actually, Show it to her again. Not your yeah, I'll try Show again. her the fucking movie. Yeah, show her your dick screaming. Um, (laughs) How about, hey hey Dave, can you answer something for me? I think I know a bit of trivia from the book. It's not really trivia, it's common knowledge if you read the book, but isn't um, uh, Danny's middle name Anthony? So that when he's talking to Tony, he's ultimately talking to himself? I think that's right. Is that not right? I don't know. I do not okay. remember. I've read the book. I've watched the miniseries, and I do not remember it being Anthony. Hmm. But I do know this. When they made the miniseries, um, Tony was a future version of Danny talking. It was like his future self warning him. What? Later on when he graduates high school, he is there, and he looks exactly as Tony looked uh, when Tony was talking. So to instead him. of him talking to himself with the finger wag, there's literally a person standing yes, there. Yes, uh, someone to? floating, talking to him, saying, "Hey, Doc, floating." That. Yeah, because he's a fucking apparition. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Yeah, he like. How he about this? Kind of makes sense for the for the role. Yeah, I guess so. Floating, yeah. a little mystical, and you know, supernatural. I have a question. Bring it. What is going on with when he is Danny truly? unconscious when Tony says he's not here or is Danny fucking around with his mom? Totally. I think he was totally unconscious and he comes back whenever he's screaming red rum. You can hear it in his voice. Red rum! He's he's doing that rah, 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 and then red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum! So he he snaps back, yeah. Red rum. Yeah, he's going real slow and then he fucking starts screaming at the end when she wakes up and then... So wait, wait, do you know what that means? Danny's possessed. In a way, he is because the hotel yeah. does possess them. Sure, I, I I attribute Jack as being possessed and Danny. I mean, that one scene, that fucking shot, is so damn incredible. When Jack is sitting in that fucking dark gray sweater and just sitting in that room, and they zoom in slowly on him, and he's got that fucking stuff he's just on his staring, face, and he's yeah. gone. You can oh, tell yeah. he's being taken over. He's fucking. I think he was yeah, him. like shining in that moment. I think to, to, I, to, with the hotel or something that I attribute that to him being, you know, in, in a manner of speaking, possessed by the hotel where they're really taking him in. He's frustrated with his work. He can't get anything written down. He's all fucked up. Oh, and that scene, oh boy. Yeah. He, <laughs> it's so eerie though. Seriously. That shot. That's one of the, another scene about that movie. That's fucking amazing. Is, is that the, performance. Oh, is that God. the scene where, um, 
uh, Wendy tells Danny that he's sleeping, and then he goes into the room. Is that what you're referring to? Oh my God, that other, that's a whole other scene. I'll get oh. into that, but no. Oh, no, I'm talking about that first. Scene. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, wait, I wrote something about well, that. All right, it's, well, it's no, here listen. somewhere. It's, uh, all work and no play. Something. Oh the fuck on now. Hold on. You don't know that scene I'm talking about. No, I do. I do. I'm just getting them crossed. You know what I mean? He's just sitting there looking at nothing. That's what's so fucking eerie about it, that he's just being possessed. And, you know, they're outside playing. They go in the maze for the first time. And there he is just being sucked in. And they play that. Oh, that's that part. Okay, yeah. And they zoom in and they show him. But how about that fucking scene? Well, yeah. Let's Okay, so he comes in and, you know, he brings Danny over. And he talks about how much he loves him and pets his head and... You know he's and 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 Danny is amazing. He's just like, oh. you know, do do you feel bad? You know, he's asking him all these questions. He's like, no, I, I love you. I would never hurt you. Yeah, would you kill me and mommy or something? Yeah, I want to stay here forever and ever. And I was watching it with my girlfriend, and in that moment, she looks at me and says, "He hates his son." I'm <laughs> like, "You're fucking absolutely right. He's lying. He's lying right to his son. I think he hates his son. Right. He hates his wife." He's just lying to himself, you know, because that's what you're supposed to do as a, a human being, yeah. you know. And uh, that's amazing scene, just amazing scene between the two. of them. He resents the uh, fuck. Out yeah. Of these oh, he hates. Yeah, he's like he probably fucking got her pregnant, and yep. then ended up yep. marrying her, you know, and just hated it ever since. That's why he drinks, and then here he is. <laughs> yeah, here, and now we can't drink. And you know? this is his life now. Yeah, he, just, like, he can't. He can't even escape his misery because when he did, he pulled the kid's arm out. So now right. he's just stuck living it. So it's it's a hundred times worse. Mm-hmm. But you know, like whatever. But it's like like that. The thing, just like that guy's email. The thing that uh, I think he's, in my opinion, wrong about. It's because this is so much more relatable than. A great guy. Right, yeah. And a strong woman in every horror movie, you know, like, you know, type of stuff. This is so out of formula and so more realistic and real and raw that it really resonates with because anybody could relate to that. We've all been in relationships that we fucking stare at the wall and wonder, what are we doing right now? Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And so we can see where he's coming from. And, you know, like, I can't really identify with a lot of strong the strong women in a lot of horror movies because, you know, I, I guess they are, but I wouldn't know if they're strong or not. You know, <laughs> my girlfriend's never been put in a situation. I don't even know what the fuck. So this is like a lot more relatable to me and I, I identifiable. So I like it the way it is. I don't want to change. Um, fiance. Fiance, I can't. That's right. With two E's. Right? I wrote it with one E the other day. And it was, it was hey, dummy. Hey, hey, noob. It's two E's. No, listen now. That scene when he walks in. Okay, can I go get my fire truck, mom? Okay. Right. Go ahead. Your daddy's sleeping. He opens the door. That is extremely, extremely fucking creepy. When he looks in there and Jack's just sitting on the fucking bed looking at nothing. That's fucking horrific. That's fucking terrifying. And then he calls him over. Come over here, son. And then he sits down. Now, here's the difference. Fuck you. (laughs) I do believe he loves his son. Fuck you. I think that his wife drives him crazy for whatever reason. I think that he he does love his son, and that's why he quit drinking in the first place, but he's just tormented. And that whole thing, when he sits on his lap, it's such an uncomfortable 
fucking dreadful scene. Oh, yeah. Because you could see in, in the kids, this fucking actor, this, this, this kid is so good. You could see him being so uncomfortable sitting in his daddy's lap when he's holding him and talking to him. It literally, it fucking completely disturbs me as a as a father of a child close to that age. I would never in a million years want my daughter to feel that way as this little boy feels about... You could see that this little boy is afraid of his daddy. He's uncomfortable. He's sitting on his lap and he's like, you would never hurt me and mommy, would you? And, you know, he gives him that speech. Hmm. I love you more than anything in the whole world. So and I think phony. It's phony, but I think there's a little piece of him that still believes that in the hotel yeah, taking weird. him you over. You think he loves the kid? I do believe he loved. That's why he quit drinking. I don't think so. Sure. I don't think that's so. That's why he quit drinking. Because how how many it. steps is it from that point to the end where he's chasing him with the axe? Danny, he's possessed. He's gone. Danny, but he I even tells fucking Lloyd, "I love him. I love the little bastard. I wouldn't harm a hair." I think he's lying his to himself. Yeah, he's lying to everybody. Dave. He's, yeah, he's lying drunk. to that's everyone. You're missing, dude. Himself. He's lying. He's drunk. When you're drunk and you talk that way, you're emotional. Uh, you say, I wouldn't harm a hair on his little fucking head. He, I, I think dude, that he does you, love him. If you believe that, then you're missing the entire point of, like, this resentment that he feels for these two. Like, th- th- this is all pent-up shit. Mm-hmm. And I think when you – if you're going to take the viewpoint that he truly loves him, I think you're missing out on a huge, like, plot point here. Yeah, but that's why it's such a str- it's an internal struggle for him when he does get taken over. It's not easy for him to do that. His wife, yeah, she fucking annoys him and everything else because he even comes out with it later. I've let you fuck up my life so far. I am not gonna let you fuck this up. You can see there's resentment there. Yeah, but even I'm... to Lloyd, he says she'll never let me fucking forget that one day. Right. You know, you, it's all fucking pent up resentment. And I agree. See, but what you're doing is you're taking the 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 Jody Oster thing and you're saying he's a good guy who truly loves his kid, and then the house just takes him over. Like you're 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 glossing over the the resentment and like unhappiness level that he's living through the both of them. I think it's his wife that drives him nuts, like like a lot of men. And I just think that I think the child was a little different. And by the end. You know, it's another story. I don't know. But the I, child I traps love... him to her, though. Mm-hmm. He's stuck with True. her because of him. So that's where that real, the resentment is truly Danny. Because mm-hmm. he, he could just I leave her. Yeah. I hear you. I do hear you. But I do think that there is a degree of love. That's all I'm saying. And when he has him on his lap and he calls him over, it's for a reason. He wants his little boy to sit on his lap and he wants to comfort him because he is going through something. He wants to hold on to one more fucking grasp of reality. This is my little boy who I love. And he brings him over. And how about the dialogue? It was right after the fucking first time he sees the girls and they talk to him and they say, hello, Danny, the whole fucking thing. Come play with us forever and ever and ever. And then fucking five minutes later, when the daddy's talking to the little boy, he tells him, I wish we could stay here forever and ever and ever. It's just, it's showing the fucking hotel's influence on him. He wants to stay at the hotel, and he wants to stay there with Danny. So are the girls talking to him too, then, in a weird way? In a weird way, they they are. That's what's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's brilliant. That's what's great about it. He wants to stay there forever, and the little girls are trying to fucking get him to stay there. That's what they say. Come play with us, Danny. Then that fucking scene, to me... Maybe that's it's, what he was looking at that at that point. That's it's crazy. That is the next fucking scene. I've never realized. How yeah, it's like were connected. two minutes mm-hmm. away from it. There's the hello Danny thing, you know, and then fucking they're watching TV, and then he goes in his room and he and he meets, you know, 
and he meets Jack, and they have that little talk, and he says that to him. And I believe that Jack, either out of his love for him or whatever, he wants to stay at the hotel, and he wants Danny to be with him. That's what I think, but Danny is extreme. I, the performance of this little kid, this little fucking Danny Lloyd, is incredible because he genuinely looks so uncomfortable sitting on his daddy's lap and his daddy's trying to fucking show him affection and he says, I love you more than anything else in the whole wide world. If I say that to my daughter, she's going to give me a big hug and a kiss. But he says that to her and this little boy is genuinely uncomfortable. That to me is fucking horrific. Just imagine what's going on in that little boy's head. You know? Maybe I see it was the it was a ninety second take though, so (laughs) probably (laughs) He's probably wondering when the fuck is the craft service table getting here. (laughs) (laughs) But that's really haunting to me, that scene. That whole thing when he's sitting on the bed that way just looking at nothing in the music they play, holy fuck. That's just straight up scary to me. Hmm. It's just one of the many scary scenes about this movie. It really hits home. Yeah, it's scary, but you're wrong. Um, so I'm wrong. <laughs> Fuck that. How long am I supposed to do all these yo 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 yells? <laughs> Johnny Gore. <laughs> Calling into Banana Laser Hotline. <laughs> Got you, bitches. What's wrong? It's okay, it's okay now. Really. Well, I dreamed that I that I killed you and Danny. But I didn't just kill you. I cut you up into little pieces. Oh my god. I must be losing my mind. All right, so we got to talk about something that we haven't yet, and that's Room 237. This is the one. Yep, pretty uh, pivotal stuff here. Um, I like how there, there's a few, uh, multiple things that I want to get into, but the first one is the introduction of the scene. Danny's playing you know, with trucks on the carpet, and the tennis ball is rolled to him. Tennis ball. The, it, it, the same one, maybe, that Jack was throwing up against the wall. I never really noticed that until probably a few viewings, you know, ago that Oh. Yeah, it's like, okay. I never this, noticed that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, well, here's the thing. This is this is early on in the movie okay. when you when you could say that ghosts aren't really there, you know, uh Kubrick is kind of playing with it. Um and so he you, you see the tennis ball being rolled to him. It could it be his dad? You don't know. Then he goes to room 237, right? And it has a key in the lock. Now, this always kind of struck me because if it was just ghosts and stuff, why would they need a key? 
you know, which and you never see what happens to Danny in the room. Well, because uh, that's a a known room for problems, so they probably just lock that room and nobody can go in there. Well, that's but what I'm it, saying. But why would it why, be sitting? Yeah, the key in the lock. Yeah, because right. it, it, it's something to, to mess with you. I mean, ultimately, it's ghosts. Yes, right. but I think it's very cool that they're playing with it. That it could be his father, and I'm I'm thinking, well, maybe his father did do it. You know, he opened the you know hmm. the, the room with the key and left it in there because if it was ghosts. Clearly, they can just unlock shit and and do whatever they want, right? I don't know. Yeah, they can walk through a, a door. I think. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If exactly. if they're if yeah, they're Sam Wheat. It's just a small <laughs> thing in it that kind of makes it you know open to interpretation. I think at the end of the movie, you understand that yeah, he was hurt by a ghost and stuff like that. But it's just another thing to throw it in there. Yeah. Well, that's because they were teasing them to begin with. First, he's riding the the fucking big wheel. And he's doing his thing, and you see their very first scene, which is brilliant, when he slows down, he stops, and it's almost like he's pulled into that fucking room. And he stops on his big wheel, and he slowly walks up, and he puts his hand on the doorknob and turns it, and it's locked, and he gets that little flash of the girl. And that mm-hmm. scene's awesome. And then he gets on the foot. How great is it the way he hauls off, too? He takes his fucking <laughs> hand, it. and he pushes his fucking <laughs> tire on his big wheel, and he's fucking booking. You see his head moving. He's fucking scared shitless. So, you know. He's obviously he's privy to this room. We mentioned it to Jack. He's or Jack Dick. He's got the whole thing going on. So now they need him to go into that room because they have to go one step further. The hotel, once again, like I said before, is slowly taking over. They're, they they don't have enough power yet. This is my theory. So they're doing little things to fucking entice the living to to interfere with the fucking the spirits. So. When you see this key in the door and it's open, that's an obvious invitation for Danny to walk in. Of course he's going to walk in when he sees that. Any fucking kid that age would do that. But a kid that's very suspicious about that room, of, you know what I mean? They're sucking him into that room. Yeah. They mm-hmm. can do what they want. They're getting stronger. You know what I'm saying? It's because of Jet they're getting stronger, and it's because of Danny they're getting stronger. But mm-hmm. they're to that point that, okay, they're, they're basically setting a bear trap. They're placing the bait, you know, so to speak. Here's the key. The door is open. Come on in, kid. You know? Hmm. I think that's easy. I, I, I've never questioned that. Yeah, but what well, a, what an amazing scene that it, oh it eventually God. led to with, um, what the fuck was after that? Uh, oh, when the mom, you know, she thinks that the kid was, was hurt by Jack. Mm-hmm. And God, the, that scene. The, the amazing part of the scene is your perspective. Because you know Jack didn't do it. So when he's yes. looking at her like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? You you're, you're Jack at that moment. And you're like, yes. what the fuck are you talking about? What happened? So you don't even, you're clueless as he is. And you're speculating, well, a ghost did this? Like, what the fuck? And it's just like, it's, it just, it brings it to another level of like, like we just wondered an hour ago probably uh, if these are real ghosts or what the, whatever the fuck or visions or whatever and if, if somebody's turning or like unlocking doors that this guy's locked in a cupboard or whatever uh, and, and letting them out they're phys- or is a ghost truly physically harming their son you know it's just like crazy hmm. you know and he starts making that face even before she questions him he knows it's coming she's sitting there holding him and fucking, you know, he, she, he's sucking his thumb. He's all fucking disgruntled. He's doing his thing. And he's already making that face. He's got his hands on his fucking face, and he's got that look. He's confused. He's like, 
what the fuck. He's like, you can almost see him. This is what I see when I watch it. He's anticipating her questioning him next. He's like, oh boy, here it comes. She's going to fucking say it's me because of what happened before. And sure enough, boy, does he pull that fucking scene off. Amazing. You live it with him. You do live it with him. Yes. And then there's the other scene when she comes in and he had, and it's right before that when he has the nightmare. I dreamt that I fucking I killed you and I Danny. Killed both of you. Yeah. And not only did I did I kill you, I, I chopped you into little pieces. And he's screaming oh, in his God. dream. And that's yeah. the last time you really see humanity out of him. When you see the old Jack, which I believe is not such a bad guy, and he's fucking terrified. He's like, I didn't just kill you. I chopped you into little pieces. And he's visibly upset about it. Hmm. You know. That's what's disturbing is that at that point you almost feel sorry for him because he's being taken over by the fucking whatever resides in this hotel. That's my whole thing about him being possessed and not being such a bad guy. I don't put him in the same place as you two put him with him being so bad. I think well, he's not whole... a bad guy, dude. Just because you resent sort of people in the situation you're in, I don't think it makes you a bad guy. I just think child, it just though? means that you're not where you want to be. I don't I don't think that that means it doesn't give you it doesn't like encapsulate who you are. You know, he's a frustrated guy who's not happy where life ended up for him. You know, that that's all. I don't think he's a bad I guy. That. I guess I'm defensive. I guess I see it differently. <laughs> I guess I see it differently on the child, um, your opinion on him resenting his child. Right. That's all. I guess me being a daddy, yeah, I feel Because you're a dad. Yeah, why yes. not? Yeah. I, I guess We're that's assholes. why. <laughs> you're not assholes. You're, you're just not daddy. Yeah, our that's balls don't work. We get it. We can't <laughs> impregnate someone. We got it, Dave. Okay, our lineage is dead. We understand. No children. Okay, moving on. The last one did shitty podcasts. <laughs> oh man thank god he's dead that's it um well okay you know obviously i know where you're going matt you ready? Uh, no. would you bang the chick in the bathtub <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah that was yeah. probably the you know that definitely was the first time i saw bush <laughs> We've got Bush. I, I didn't even know what a vagina was, but I knew there was hair. You know, I, down there. I, I knew there wasn't a wiener, so there's something going on, right? What's going on? Oh, Unless and you're then sleepaway camp. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> oh man, but how creepy is that fucking lady just laughing? And they it does the the cutting back and forth between Jack and her. I mean, it seems so kind of haunted housey, but mm. it's just done great. It's awesome. And uh, even the special effects on her makeup weren't really that good. But <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. But here's the thing: that this is really weird, and it's a weird Stephen King connection. Do you do you guys know the, the, who stole that exact scene? Mm, Mick Garris. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the, the scene where Jack, the scene where Jack's making out with his decrepit whatever. Uh, she oh, bitch. Oh, I know. Isn't it from it? Yep, it's exactly. Oh, really? <laughs> and that's what what's his name? Ryan Murphy mentioned when we did our it uh, review. He hmm. said that is from The Shining, and and having only seen it once ten years prior, I was like, okay, if you say so. But watching it now, it is identical because I've seen it like you know thirty times, hmm. and he's making out. <clears throat> Jack Tripper's making out with the, with Beverly Marsh. And he looks in the mirror, and it's fucking, you see clown pants or something, and then it just goes up, and he's making out with the fucking it clown. So this oh, one, yeah. 
he's making out with a hot chick, and he looks in the mirror, and I guess it's... I think it goes up. He's algae ass. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? It's like the same exact shit. And it's weird that Stephen King is associated with both uh, uh, movies. You know, it's weird. Hmm. So. There's a whole connection with fucking um, The Shining and It, actually. Yeah? He got a character from one and... Mm, you mean uh, in the book? Yeah. He, he wrote something in the book. They had to do something with it. Uh, it's not coming to me yet, but hold on. Let me go back to this. That girl in the shower, the bathtub, when Jack gets to fucking room two. First of all, not even that. How about Dick Haller and laying in the bed and fucking getting that vision, which leads to this entire... It's almost you think like it's Haller's dream. He's sitting there, and he slowly opens his mouth, and what the fuck is this dude seeing? And that heart's beating, boom, boom. I thought milk was going to come out of those that fucking tit, <laughs> chick's tits in the picture. What? Oh, that oh. He was opening it up for mama. <laughs> that scares the fucking shit out of me, that scene. That scene, when he's doing that, and then it leads, the God, the, God damn, the look on his face is fucking horrifying. And then it leads to fucking Jack walking in the room. And I got to tell you, you were asking about that girl. In the fucking bathtub, I will say this: I noticed it recently. She does have a cute face, and I just noticed this recently. Uh, <laughs> she fucking creeps me out. Everything about her, the way what? she listen to me, the way she pulls the fucking thing back, the 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 slowly how she pulls the fucking curtain back, mm-hmm. and the way her first step out of that tub, the way her leg looks, and it goes. She looks like a sexy. fucking. A beast? No, it scares me. It looks like a fucking gazelle or a fucking uh, an insect, a praying mantis. Are you, are you afraid of women, Dave? <laughs> I'm telling you, out? that woman to me, I do not have a sexual attractiveness to. She, the look about her, the way she walks, the fucking thing, it completely, I'm wrapped up in that moment, it completely fucking spooks me out. I've never thought of her as sexually attractive until this past week. I really looked at her face, and I thought she had a cute face. That was the first time ever. I try to look at it from a different perspective. That has always fucking creeped me out. Maybe because I knew what's what's to come. But yeah, right. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah maybe that's so. The only way because. But I'm telling you, no. She, there's something about her to me. I bet someone's gonna weigh in on this. Someone's gonna fucking say something on the page or send us an email. She looks fucking creepy. I'm Holy sorry. shit, Dave! I just looked up her IMDb. It's not there. Holy shit, oh, man. Oh, guess what, buddy? Oh, I'll go a step further. It's not there. I'll tell you what. Hold on. I kid you not. The girl that played her in the bathtub before and after, the old fucking decrepit lady from the bathtub, which is fucking scary as fuck, and the fucking supposedly sexy girl that steps out of it, both of those women were never in a movie before The Shining and have never been in a movie since <laughs> The Shining. That is a oh, fact. That's deep. <laughs> it's fucked up. That's all I'm saying. It's just maybe there. Maybe this didn't. This uh, footage they sent didn't impress anybody. Maybe the maybe they're really overlook ghosts. absorbed them. Yeah. Holy the shit. House absorbed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But no, she's always creeped me out. I'm sorry. Algae if I ass. sound like a fucking weirdo, I'm sorry. It, the, she's yeah, always creeped me out. No problem. Yeah, you do. And I'll go ahead and cut this no. out because you don't want to freak people. Out. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Someone agrees with me out there. I'm telling you right now. Oh, she what? is creepy. That step when she steps crickets, out of the crickets. tub. <laughs> All right, dude. All right. I'm just we kidding, dude. See. No, okay. Honestly, um, 
No, I thought she was hot. Sorry. I, yeah, I guess, no, I guess she's I hot. She does have a cute face. I'm not disputing that. I I'm looking at her whole body, dude. Yeah. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, nah. Something about her hips and shit. I don't know. She just fucking... Just she, childbearing she, hips. She spooks me out. That me and Matt could be parents. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> if we had balls. Yeah, maybe. Her <laughs> shit works. <laughs> All right, so we talked about this big scene, but let's. I want to really dive into the... Fucking bathroom scene, man. Oh, the other bathroom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's go from one bathroom. Delbert Grady. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, she keeps laughing after he's fucking gone, and he locks the door. Joke. And he's bugging out. <laughs> That's fucking creepy, right there. He's running away, and you still hear laughing from behind the door. <laughs> you don't think I'm hot? Oh, dude. <laughs> she probably has the same thing that Stephen King had in the creep <laughs> show from <laughs> Meteor Shit. <laughs> <laughs> She's got yeah. She got that shit growing on her fucking ass. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! That's I think she's here. Way into Dude, this. I think we should scary. get out of the laser land. So yeah, no, I'm just, sorry. It's, what was this room two thirty seven here? <laughs> Fuck. I, oh, by yeah. the way, room two three seven. Did you know? Nope. That they, that in the book, it's two seventeen. They made it two three seven. Yeah, they made it two seven. Okay. Now know? why? Yeah, because they didn't want people coming to their hotel. I'll like, tell you why. Because at the at the fucking at the Stanley, there really is a room two seventeen. That's what I'm saying. How big of a draw? Me? (laughs) Are you fucking out of your mind? Would you not want to stay in room two seventeen of the Stanley Hotel? People like you and I, yes. But fuck yeah. To most people, they would see that and Ah, they'd be like, "Those people are stupid." I I think not. You know, they're just looking at the general populace here. Yeah, I guess so. Something That's so it. iconic is just based on bullshit. That's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> I know, right? Wow. And it's funny because if you watch that show, they come up with all these reasons. The fucking Room 237 documentary. Oh, yeah. They, he chose 237 because he was he filmed the fucking fake moon landing. And it Those was 2.3.7 away right. from the sun. That's and this, what I heard. Did you see that, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Once again, some of the things made sense. I, think I can't get past like, the giant dick in the interview. And when their hands yeah. clasp, I yeah, just see a giant is... black dick. Well, yeah. that says a lot about you, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like those fucking reach... things that they show you in that when you go to a psychologist, those ink things. Yeah. <laughs> I see a dick. The Roy Shark, yeah. Sir, yeah. Uh, I have something to tell you. And if you slow down any film yeah. to a single frame, you know, you're going to see something, okay? Yeah. You're going to find whatever you particularly are looking for, yep. whether it's the Holocaust or, you know, killing off the, the Native Americans. It's You're going to find our big black cocks. You're going to find it. <laughs> You'll always black find cock. black cock if you're looking for it. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what is really cool, though? Every every scene, except, you know, when, once they get into the hotel and it's just the three of them, they don't do it so much. But in the beginning, every scene, there's like a fade in and a fade out where they combine, you know, the the existing scene with the next one. And I think that's, you know, that's clever filmmaking. I like the I way... I don't know. It would have been better if they did wipes like Lucas did in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Every scene, wipe. wipe. That, that was pretty, uh, that was pretty You lame. know, that's, that's innovative. Well, um, that's, but yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah, I can do that out of my Windows movie maker. I don't, I don't think it's that <laughs> uh, But the Indian thing, the native thing did make sense to me. Because you do see that Calumet fucking can in a few different scenes, and you see Native American like decorations inside the yeah, hotel. Yeah, because of where they're at. It's Colorado. Native... You don't understand though. These are set pieces. Oh, I don't. Man. No, so these are what? set pieces. It's, yeah, he of a place that attention. exists in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, There's you know, mountains behind it. 
I'm not saying it's not possible, but I, I'm just. It, it may be more than coincidence. That's all no, I'm saying. No, no, no. You don't think no that way. Kubrick has any type of sympathy with Native Americans and that was something on the set? Why not? I mean, think about it. This no. man picked out every fucking set piece you see. So? <laughs> that does, no, no, I disagree with this one. I'm Shutting not saying it down. I completely agree. I'm just saying that there's, there's something like two there. theories on that room 237 that maybe I could oh, yeah. fall in line with. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them with the natives. I'm not saying everything makes sense. Of course not. They're fucking reaching. You know, and I, I, it took me three sessions to watch room 237. I because, Same here. Yeah. yeah, because it was just hard hard to get through. Is it really? But, winded. Very long winded. Oh, yeah. But yeah. at the very end, one person did say something that op- opened my mind up a little bit. He's like, hey, look. You know, it's kind of ludicrous to be looking at a film like this, but it's a piece of art. And I see what I see. You know, I can't explain that. This is what I see. It's like looking at a painting. Everybody thinks something different. And that is what it is. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're fucking right. You're just seeing what you see. It's not like it's absolute truth, you know, or something like that. Or he planned every single thing like the typewriter is a thing for, oh, you know, the Holocaust and yeah, right. fucking shit like that. <laughs> yeah, you almost don't have reaching... time to plan everything like you Yeah, no, you do. don't. It just and works it... out that way sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm glad one person called that out at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. But that's Kubrick. So... I mean, he's identified as that type of director that he picks out these things and he does things with intent. I mean, and, and we, we've learned this. I, I've learned it watching the documentary First Room 237, but recently the documentaries on The Shining where he did this and he was very meticulous and all these uh, all these takes and all these scripts and everything and it was for a reason. So I do understand that about him. You know, I, people are going to interpret his films. Yeah. But you know ways. what, Dave? Qu- quantity doesn't always mean quality. Just because right. it did 144 takes, it doesn't no, mean that not. it was better than anything else. You I know? agree. But this does separate movies. Like, take a look at a movie like this, which I fucking love. And it's a piece of film. And watch a movie like Slumber Party Massacre. Which, That's all right. Nothing yeah. against it. I enjoy <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre. No, the I Driller no Killer. I have no 87 takes with... for the Driller. <laughs> I have no problem with Slumber Party Massacre. I'm just saying I enjoy it on a different level. I'm but scared. I watch it. And, you know, they're they're just filming and there's people in a room and that's it. Now you take a look at a guy like Stanley Kubrick and what he did with his film and the cinematography he's and the performance and the music. Yes, that's the difference. That, yes. He's well, a that's what we said in the – that's what the fucking argument between the Halloween remake and the Friday 13th remake. One's filmmaking and the other is a guy videotaping people. You know, it's like – it's a different thing. Yeah, clearly, Kubrick's a filmmaker. You know, I mean you can't dispute that. It's a joke. You know, yeah, pretty... I don't remember that. I haven't listened. Oh, it's show 88. Okay. What's up, banana boys? What's up if you're nasty? Ayo, Dave, whatever your name is now, Argento. <laughs> this is Jared Jason Liv Fair calling to say congratulations on your uh, one year anniversary, right? That's great. Uh, Want to call and say uh, what a great job I think you guys uh, have been doing and uh, we'll keep doing it in the future. 
This is my very first call into uh, one of these shows because I finally got a phone that can uh, do this. So hopefully it's a good one. Uh, really enjoyed the uh, the uh, Saw retrospect. That was awesome. Great job on uh, you guys teaming up with the Skeleton Crew for the Friday uh, the 13th special. That was pretty much the greatest thing I ever heard. And I'm going to reiterate again. I think that you two shows should combine and uh, make for the the ultimate podcast. But that's just me talking. You know, think about it. Talk about it with your friends. And uh, you guys rock. And uh, keep it up. Congratulations again. Peace. Hi, uh, Lasers. Uh, Matthew Fergo. Um, just um, wishing you a happy anniversary. Um, been a fan since uh, the Halloween uh, retrospective. Uh, your banana bites section is uh, one of my tr- treats from uh, every week. Uh, really having uh, really fun uh, every Tuesday and hearing uh, your show. Uh, since it, the Tuesdays are basically my big days of work and uh, decompressing to hear you guys um, driving home um, every uh, Tuesday is uh, really a good treat. So. Um, I guess that's it. Um, happy anniversary. So this, okay, let's get back on track with the movie and talk about yeah, uh, Delbert Grady running into Jack at the yes. fucking at the ball. He goes back to the gold room and it's a fucking actual party, and he just rolls right along with it. You know, <laughs> strolls right up to the bar, gets a it, it, Lloyd knows his uh, you know drink of choice. Harold the dog that bit me lays it on him, man. He's having a having a ball, and then fucking he runs into uh, a waiter. And he spills glasses of like orange juice and it's vodka like it's like eggnog or something. Oh, eggnog? it's great. I don't know. It's, it's like some super thick. Yeah. <laughs> that's but so that that was just to transition to the. Yeah, it was just walking. it was just to create an interaction, right? And yeah. Just yeah. get him in the bathroom. But here's one thing that makes me smile every time is that as they're strolling to, and you guys might see it too, as they're strolling to the restroom. Jack pats him on the back and says, "You might have got a spot on you." And he rubs he rubs the drink on his right back. On yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or if that was a happy accident, but goddamn if that doesn't make me smile every time. Mm-hmm. I think you might have a spot on you. Wipe. It's <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. too funny. That's perfect. But, That's exactly his personality in a way. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's okay. So you're the important one. <laughs> yeah, you're the important. I, I appreciate That's you saying line. that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I say that line at work sometimes. Actually, you're <laughs> the important one. I do. I say that line, and I say only for the moment because later on, when Jack says that to fucking Grady, and in that other scene, those are two lines I say at work, probably at least once a week. Yeah, yeah. That's how fucked up I am. I've seen this movie so many times. Well, yeah, someone's losing their money. You know, someone's losing their bets, and they got a, a bad run going. Oh man, I can't make a hand. This and that. I go only for the moment. I tell them. 
you know? And then when they say something, this and that, I go, ah, yeah, it's all right. You're the important one. I always say that. Jesus and the, both Christ. of those phrases come right from this movie, and I use them in my fucking work life. Yeah. Would it make you the happiest guy in the world if somebody goes, The Shining? Yeah. No oh, shit. wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, would definitely put that. a smile on my face. Or they just start talking like Tony. <laughs> Could you imagine? If uh, talking, hit me. Did you know? Hit me. I fold. <laughs> How many face cards are in that deck? <laughs> to bring an outside party into this situation? Yeah, how yeah. intense are these these two Amazing. actors in this fucking scene? Amazing. Once once he finally tells Grady, it's like, hey, aren't you the caretaker? And he breaks down his facade. He transforms into somebody else yep. and is just giving him orders. It's like... Yeah, you, know, you need to correct them. It's correct. so intense, man. Oh my it's crazy. God. It's phenomenal. You, you know what's funny? Jack thinks he's getting one over on him, and he's fucking smirking. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. Like, he's yeah. Right. Hey, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Mister Grady, you killed your family. You know, he right. goes on that whole fucking speech, and he's smirking, and he has that fucking towel on his hand because he's wiping off his hands, and he's like, I got one over on you, motherfucker. You killed your family. And he killed yourself. And he's actually, at that moment, he's happy about it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even realize he's talking to a ghost at that second. He's just like, nah, 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 nah. I saw your picture in the papers. Right. You, <laughs> you know, you killed your daughters and you put your brains out. And he's happy about it. Then as soon as that happens, it switches over. In that very moment, he's like, sorry to differ with you, sir, but you are the caretaker. And he gives him that whole fucking thing and they go, God Damn, that fucking, that scene in the bathroom is fucking the stuff of legend. Man. It's incredible. It but, is. Um, my favorite shot of the entire movie comes in, uh, it's a few scenes later, but it's when Wendy discovers what he's been writing this whole time, which in <clears throat> itself is incredible. Wow. And, and to see that and just to know that he's been doing that for, you know, a month <laughs> is just insane. But... It's when she's thumbing through, <clears throat> and you get a shot from behind her, and then his silhouette just comes into frame, mm-hmm. into the right side of the frame, and he's How just standing like there. Yeah, oh my like god, it. that shot gives me chills. It's fucking crazy. Just one shot. Yes. I can't believe how much I like it, but he just rolls right in. How do you like it? Oh, and she just freaks the fuck out. It's what? phenomenal. Wait, wait, Matt, I gotta ask Dave. Wait, well, you're both... So this is both of your favorite movie? Yes. Yeah. Wow, okay, okay, both of you then. Here, fuck. Yeah. Would you both buy a book if they made that book and it just said that the whole... Would you have it just to have it? Like, if it was $25, hmm. would you buy that book? What, the actual hmm. typing that the person that made that fucking movie did? I don't you know. You mean, like, yeah, a movie prop or a replica? A movie prop, of course. A replica. Eh, no. No, like, you Probably wouldn't want not. a book that just kept on saying that same thing. But if it was the pages that appeared in the movie, yeah. I'd put it, put it as my screensaver, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe my background or something. Are there people nuts enough like into yes. this movie that they would buy <laughs> just to have it? A book that just constantly said, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Would probably, they buy it? Yeah, probably, probably, yeah. I do probably, want, yeah. Probably big Kubrick heads out there. I do want an outfit like Jack for, like, uh, for Halloween. You How know, about the, those? The red jacket. The, the 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 blue pants, you know, and the plaid, you know, shirt. I want that. Dude, I want Danny's Mickey I, Mouse shirt. Oh, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> fucking punting that football. I, I want that USA Apollo fucking shirt. <laughs> 
It proves that he faked the moon landing. Yes, exactly. That sweatshirt. It proves it. It proves it right there. But it's seriously, though, all, all the clothes in that movie, it seems like they came out of a catalog. It's a very fucking, I don't know, just the, the attire in that movie that they're wearing. It's like they fucking shopped at a catalog for fucking that day. Okay, you're going to wear this, you're going to wear that, you're going to wear that, and there you go. And they put them on, the, put the clothes on. But how about one more thing? All work and no play. Now, Shaggy Doll Boy, do you know this? When fucking nope. they film the movie, and you know how you hear the noise of the fucking the key stroking when he's fucking typing, whatnot? Mm-hmm. Fucking Kubrick actually had somebody over and over and over again typing all work and no play makes Jack a Doll Boy. Just so fucking people that supposedly can fucking tell the different keystrokes wouldn't criticize the fucking movie. So he that's the sound you hear when fucking Jack is typing is someone in reality oh. typing all over. I wouldn't worry about losers if that over because, and over and over. Because again. it would make a different sound. Uh, I guess so. Just for yeah. purists. That's the kind wow. of guy. That's intense. Yeah. Do you know how weird I am? When yes. I yes. Uh, yeah, you I have love two that penises. Shit. <laughs> Do you remember when we did the Friday the Thirteenth thing where we made believe we walked through Friday Thirteenth Part One? Yeah, of course. Nope, haven't listened. The ticket. Well, yeah, the ticket. The I'm gonna shake the ticket right now. Okay, when you're, I, you're a real Foley artist, Dave. Shake that ticket. <laughs> when I called the laser lounge, I actually considered pressing your actual buttons in case anybody tried to match them. Because they would make different sounds when you hit different keys. Oh. On the phone. <laughs> you're a Kubrick yourself. <laughs> I think like Kubrick. Wow. How that's fucking crazy. weird am I? <laughs> Alex Edwards is brilliant, ladies and gentlemen. That's fucking funny. <laughs> I literally said, in case anybody says, wait a minute, you didn't press the right buttons to get to the laser lounge when you call them. Can you imagine? What the fuck kind of weirdo am I? <laughs> <laughs> but this okay, this scene though that we're talking about gives us some of the fucking the best interaction between husband and wife here. I mean, she's fucking scared out of her fucking mind as you would be, and then he is. This is where I mean we've seen it before where he goes off on her, but this is where he's like, eh, "This is it. I'm gonna fucking destroy you and your son. I'm gonna kill you both. It's incredible." Uh, th- just the whole walking through the room and just the dialogue back and forth. I mean, we've all quoted it. Well, Dave and I have hundreds of times. It's just an incredible scene. I'm actually surprised, though, that Wendy got over on him and was able to hit him. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. Yeah, it's like she clearly is fucking out of her fucking mind. <laughs> how, does he, how does he let her get the one up on her? How about this? Jack does not lay one fucking finger on anybody. On her chinny chin chin. Except <laughs> Halloran with the axe. He does not fucking ever once harm Wendy or Danny. Well, not Blow physically. No, not physically, but I'm just saying. Being the main fucking, you know, uh, the villain of this movie. You know what I mean? And the notoriety that this movie has. He does not lay one. All he does is threaten and chase. And he just does think. not lay a finger on anybody except Halloran. If they, if, if. If Kubrick didn't change the book, he never would have laid a finger on anybody. If he didn't kill the is that right? He didn't kill Dick, anybody in the book. Dick Smothers. No. Dick, <laughs> Dick screaming. Dick screaming. If you he didn't put he an did? axe in his chest, well, how, well, okay, fill us in now. Now that we're at the end and we're almost at that part, what happened to Dick Smothers? What happened to him? Holler. He <laughs> saves the fucking day. He comes in and 
what happens is basically you only see a little glimpse of it in this movie. You see Wendy downstairs and she's in the basement and she's checking like the gauges of the fucking heaters and shit. Right. And basically every day you have to do something to let the heat the steam out of the heaters, something or other. That's the real reason they're there. They have to keep the place warm so it doesn't right. freeze up, and they have to do something daily where they do something with letting the heat out. Well, anyway, at the end of the day in the book, the ghost fucking confused Jack so much. He's the only one that really paid a- attention to this shit going down in the basement to fucking do the stuff with the heaters. And that's where he, that's where we stumbled upon the books and learned the history of the hotel. So anyway, in the book, the, tr- the the ghost distract him so much into the whole situation with chasing Danny and everything else that he forgets to do that. So Dick comes, he's one distraction, and then he gets them out of the place. And he takes them away, and the hotel explodes and fucking burns into flame, and Jack is the only one that dies in the fight. What? Huh. Yeah. Holler and wow. save the day. That's he shows stupid. up. Yeah. I, I, well, yeah. Stephen King, notoriously the greatest author ever, cannot. And a fucking. A lot. Yes. Just ahead, like it. Look where he yes, fucked up it. I know. Alex, I agree. He, he has can't fucking, end a goddamn story. No, that is his fault. It's like God gave him a gift or whatever. He cannot. He has troubles ending his fucking stories. Yes. Wow. He writes mm. characters like probably nobody else in yeah, history. Yeah, nobody's yeah. business. Yeah. Right. Nobody. But when it comes down to that third act and the climax, he does not wrap it up the right way. That's his weakness. And yeah. once again, that's what happened. And, and, and nobody died in The Shining. Now, here's what I'm thinking. Kubrick's making this movie, and no one thinks that Halloran's going to die. You know, and he gets whacked with the axe, and that seems just incredible how he's able to hide behind that pillar and come out and do that. Hello? Yeah, so now you Anybody know. here? Once right. that well, happens, this is a everything else. Movie. Yeah. Right. Somebody once should fucking ki- die. Yeah. And once he kills them, now we're all in the dark of what the fuck's going to happen now? Because now it's not following the book at all. And, and look at the genius oh. shit, what they did with, you know, I'm genius. I'm throwing that around, but. It's pretty cool how he, the kid's running through the maze and backtracks and shit like mm-hmm. that. But I'm just saying, like, but just look that we were completely, as a viewer, if you're into these books, you're in the dark now. Once that axe goes through Dick's screaming, he's, you don't know what the fuck's going on now. So now you're like, you got a blindfold on through the rest of the movie and it's exciting, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would think so. Yeah. yeah I agree. But, it is exciting. Yeah. You're probably, right. by, by that point, perplexed by everything you've just seen on the screen. Yeah. Because it's nothing like the fucking book, but yeah, that's the way it ends. In, in the movie, only Jack dies. Hmm. You know, and, and Halloran saves the and, day. And Dick dies. No, 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 no. Dick dies yes, in yes, the yes, movie. Yes, yes, yes. That's okay. what you just said. In the pardon, movie. I'm, oh, pardon, okay, gotcha. Let gotcha, me rephrase. In, in the book, Dick, gotcha. Dick saves the day, comes in, and then they fucking escape the thing, and that's the end of that. Okay, hmm. what do you guys think is a better ending? Jack blown up or Jack nope. freezing? Eh. Jack freezing. Freezing. The smash cut of him shivering, and he knows that he's lost because he hears the snow cat leaving. He knows they're leaving. He knows he's lost. He's so he's fucking just like fuck it. He sits down. Smash cut. His frozen fucking cross-eyed face. Looking up. Awesome. Incredible. Incredible is right. Incredible. Yeah. The 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 sharpness of the cut. It's night and then it's day. He's <sighs> fucking. Icically, it's fucking That's incredible. Awesome. Yeah. And what what do you guys think of like you know as I was watching this, uh, being so savvy to pretty much a lot of horror now, there I, I noticed a lot of nods to The Shining, and one of them 
didn't they they mention like Wolf Creek? In some at some point, uh... well, Jack Nicholson was in Wolf, so <laughs> no, but he Wait, says uh... so it's like seven degrees of separation. I just feel it. like they take a lot of names from this movie, like Grady mm. and and, oh, and Wolf okay. Creek and shit like that. Like I feel like there's a lot of things lifted from The Shining, uh, but yeah, whatever. I just Probably. wonder if you guys is Wolf that. Creek and The Shining. Yeah, they mentioned the like I don't know. Uh, somebody was at Wolf's Creek or something. They mentioned. Huh. And I, I know that that just came out. Hmm. I didn't catch that. It's possible. Yeah. It's yeah. possible. Let me ask you guys this. At the end, when he is chasing him, um, what he's just yelling, Jenny! I'm coming for you! Up. No, at the very, very end, when they pull away with a snowcat, and he's just kind of like emphatically crying, just like, uh-huh. Do you think at that moment that he goes back to being Jack? I actually... Last time I watched this, I felt sympathy for him at that moment. Like the hotel abandoned him at that point. Like he he carried out his thing, and at the very end, he couldn't get the job done, and they just fucking threw him out to the wolves, so to speak. And he was just there. I felt sympathetic for him. Just the way he wails and yells, it just feels like he's tortured. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, I kind of understand that because, yeah, the hotel gave him a task to do, and he definitely failed. So maybe they unlatched from him yeah. so to speak and he, his mind kind of came back a little bit to him that's yeah, what I that think it seems plausible yeah I guess why didn't he just go back in there hmm? why didn't he just go back in the hotel he's so he high couldn't high. find his way out oh he oh I'm sorry I must have missed that he, he uh, duh wow I missed a big ending he froze in the maze mm-hmm. yeah, yeah he <laughs> sat his ass I didn't even down. notice that he was yeah. exhausted and that's where he froze right in the fucking he maze. heard them leave so he knew that no matter what happens he wouldn't He's you dumb. see so, so maybe he he wasn't like released from the hotel because he he gives up once he realizes well I'm not going to be able to kill them now so it's like he probably could have gone on a little bit more and tried to find his way out but no you see him sit down at night so i don't know i don't know for some reason last time i watched it when i I was really into it and it just i I actually felt sad for him at the end i think that he actually went back to being a normal person and the hotel just kind of discarded him and at that point he wasn't really calling for danny because he was chasing him anymore he Mm -hmm. was just kind of like calling for help just crying yeah yes like fucking get me out of this thing and Mm -hmm. you know i I was in a sense possessed and now i'm returning back to some you know to a a normal-minded person and i'm I'm stuck in this fucking freezing snow please help me you know because he's just he's just kind of calling he almost sounds like he's drunk he's like i don't know i for some reason i i feel you know sympathetic towards him at that moment and then boom you know hmm. do you cry no no <laughs> you think everybody went to sleep <laughs> do not cry it does it is a little bit it is, it is a little bit god jack why did you die jack <laughs> it jack. is disheartening though i'll tell you that it, it, i noticed it the last time i viewed it you know and then boom that's fucking badass and then the shark cut it. yeah it's crazy and then yes then we get the final iconic Amazing. thing of uh, the slow push in on the pitcher from what is it like 1920s or something? July 4th. July 4th, yes. We're a fucking Independence we're... Day. Yep. Wow, that's so cool how you guys released this yeah. on oh, July 4th. Well, a little before July 4th, you know, Alex. just so people can have time to listen to it. But yeah, wait, it all wait, 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 guys. Hold on. We're, You're always saying we're, not, we're not putting this out on July 4th? 
No, it's our anniversary. We're putting it out as soon as possible. We are not putting it out on July. Oh, wait, wait. You're telling me the ending <laughs> shot of the of your favorite movie ever. <laughs> it's July 4th. And it's a week away. And you're putting it out a week before that. What do you mean uh, you're? We. We're, we're a team now, buddy. We're uh, putting it out ASAP. Yes. Um. Hey, Dave, sidebar. Real quick. Hey, Alex, we'll just be one, one second. Hey, Dave, come here. Okay. All right. What do you got? Uh, I'm starting to regret this uh, decision about this whole Good Alex thing. God damn. He's so fucking mature. It's like having a Stanley Kubrick yeah, like, in the who fucking cares? Thing. It's one day. It's like we should have put it out in 1980 or something. Like, come on. Jesus Such Christ. a fucking detail geek. Good God. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. I mean, Jesus, did you hear that thing about the phone? And the phone number? <laughs> oh, my God. God. It's fucking nuts. Uh, uh, so, we'll, we'll, I we'll, can kind of hear you. We'll ditch him after this. So yeah, Fair okay. enough. Let's just Alex, get this one out of the way. Hey. Alex, we do yeah. this on purpose. We are always one week off. We were one week off uh, for Father's Day when we did A Tale of Two Fathers. All right. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. We yeah. were one week off on our Back to School special when we did it last year. It was a week after school started. Yeah. So this is kind of the banana laser way. We're not as meticulous as the skeleton crew. We don't right. really you're ba- you're you you are Stanley Kubrick, my friend. You are Stanley So you're Kubrick. saying I have a neuroses of uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We and are, you got a, you got a weird beard. We're Quentin and, Tarantino. Um... <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're Mario Argento. I'll even say that. That's who we are. Well, all right. Hey, listen. I could listen. I would love to take a back seat, kick back, and just ride the banana boat in. <laughs> I don't have to do any of this shit no more, man. Ride the banana boat. <laughs> yes. I fuck dates and schedules. Fuck that bullshit. I'm gonna hang loose and let you guys steer us into an iceberg. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, hey, this shit needs to end some sometime. Why not go out kamikaze style? Fuck it. Shit. Yeah. So, shit. I think we've talked long enough about this, and uh, I think we've jerked off Stanley Kubrick enough. And but I mean, I guess we gotta do the the standard thing that we do on the show. Well, Dave and I give this five stars. Alex, what do you give this? Four to five. Okay. Uh, okay. Ask me why not five. It's five, the dick screaming shit, right? Five. Why not I, five? I don't know. You don't I know? No. Hmm. Just because, to be different? Because it's not a fun movie? No, that's not true. Because you like no. movies like Halloween. That's not fun. Yeah, he likes yeah, H2. Right. He's fucking mm-hmm. down with the... Uh... Evil, Evil Dead remake's not fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, this Just... is better than Evil Dead remake, no? Uh, yeah, I'm not that stupid, dude. <laughs> I Honestly, no. I enjoy them almost the same, believe it or not. But, uh, Watch 25 more times, then you'll see. How about that one? 20, yeah. Ooh, Watch it as many times as Kubrick did takes in the fucking pantry scene. <laughs> well, uh, 115. Like Spielberg didn't like it either. He's friends of Kubrick. Kubrick saw him somewhere. He said, after The Shining came out, he said, what do you think about my movie? And Spielberg said, well, I like this, I like this. And Kubrick saw right through him. He says, okay. It's obvious you don't like my movie. What don't you like about it? And then Spielberg said, he goes, well, that was my first viewing. He goes, now that I've watched it 25 times, I think it's a fucking absolute masterpiece. <laughs> That's funny. That happened to me. You know, this happens a lot. You know, I can't stress enough. Anybody listening out there, the, the biggest revelation I ever had in my life, horror-wise, so I'm not going to be weird, but horror-wise, 
was when I went to see the Evil Dead remake and, you know, what I thought of the original and how I felt going into this and what they were going to do with the original, whatever. And I did not like it at all. I thought it was just shit. I thought the characters sucked, all that kind of stuff. I focused on all the wrong shit because I went in there with a certain mindset. And I really wasn't comfortable doing our retrospective, ending it that way with that last movie as the end of the retrospective. So I went and watched it again a day later, which I really don't ever do. And it was an entirely different experience. Like, like my point is, second watches are so important. And mm-hmm. I think The Shining is a huge example of that. I had the same thing Spielberg did. And no, I'm not saying I'm also Spielberg. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I watched it the first time and it was just nothing to me. Really nothing. Just stupid. I, I really thought it was a waste of time. And I can't believe I wasted two and a half hours sitting there. And then this time... It's like the appreciation level is just through the roof. And it's like, I'm sure that by the fifth time, I'm going to have this in my top five. Like, that's how good it really is. That, And it just doesn't click in your brain. So if anybody doesn't agree with any of this shit that we're saying or or sees it through their eyes, just give it a – I don't know how many – someone's probably like, I watched it five times. It sucks. <laughs> but I like the miniseries Mick Garris did. That one's pretty cool. The CGI, it's great. Steven Weber, man. Fuck Nicholson. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm telling you, this is a movie that hugely benefits on second watch. And I just want to say thank you guys again. You opened my eyes to this and the Saw series because I gave neither one of them a chance. So, uh I'm glad to be here. It's great, and and I'm thank you for opening me up to the idea that I really love The Shining. I understand. I appreciate it. I see it for what it is. Boom. And that's, that's awesome to me. You know? Yes. Thank Excellent. you. I'm glad to hear that, man. Well, uh, I hope you feel that way about our next movie, Thanks Killing 3. Uh, because it's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to watch this one five or six times before it really sinks in. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy um, I believe in that, too. <laughs> Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we made it. What do you think, Alex? Well, I got to say, guys, every time we work together, it's a blast. <laughs> yes, sir. So I guess we have a deal, then? What do you say, Alex? Live or die. Make your choice. Yeah, Banana laser is a good fit for me, but no bites. I can't do banana bites. I do have a reputation to protect. Face it, guys, it's a train wreck, and that singing. God, that is the worst. How do people listen to that? Okay, okay. Fair enough, man. I think we'll do just fine. All right! Bye.
finally have a chance to accomplish something when I really end my work. I could really write my own ticket if I went back to Boulder now, couldn't I? Shoveling out driveways, working a car wash. Will you that appeal to you? Yes. Wendy, I have let you fuck up my life so far, but I'm not gonna let you fuck this up. All right, guys, so that wraps it up. I hope that was enough shining for you. Holy shit. Uh, (laughs) I could have kept going, personally. Yeah, probably so. Uh, We're going to keep going every episode, just like Friday 13th. We can't get away from it. We are not Banana Wazer. We are shining the 13th. Now that Alex is here, we're changing things. No, seriously. Thank you to everyone that sent in a voicemail and email. Um, and we got a surprise for you. Well, we kind of mentioned it before, but uh, we're going to give you guys some shit. Um, we threw all your names into a hat, or Dave did rather. And uh, we got some prizes for you that you guys can win. So, Dave, uh, where are these prizes? Okay, that, that's what I did. I We got three. <laughs> if anybody thinks that we're going to get any more serious in Season 2, uh, well, listen to what the prizes are. Uh, number one is a brand new... A brand new Blu-ray of your next. Hey, that's, so that's a pretty good prize. It's not bad. Now, the second prize is Crystal Lake Memories, just the DVDs that are going to be in a plain black box. They're going to be in a Ziploc baggie. <laughs> Not that I'm going to go that low, bro. I'll send them in a plain black bo- black box because I have the Blu-rays and it came with the DVDs. I don't need the fucking DVDs. I only go Blu-ray now. So why not give it to the listeners? Fucking elitists. God damn it. There you go. Okay. Uh, now I got to give uh, Chris Graber a little credit here because he volunteered his services and he sent me a fucking Psycho 2. So we got a Psycho 2 at the Laser Lounge with, without a fucking, uh, what do you call it? There's no artwork or anything like that, but it's, it has never been played, and it's Psycho 2. So. I thought his name was Christ Graber. Christ? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, no. Stop making sorry. fun of me. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> Christ Graber. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, yeah. So here's this is what we're going to do, because different people have different things. I'm going to pick three names out, and whoever contacts us first on the Facebook page or instant messages us or whatever and says, this is what I want, that's what you're going to get. And if you got all fucking three, well, then, fuck you. Someone else is going to get them. Fuck you. Know? you. So, yeah, we're not, you know, just because hope, Alex is here doesn't mean we have to be more efficient. I hope Chris Graber wins Psycho 2. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Yes. No, we're just going to draw three names. They're going to tell us what they want. So, oh, okay. Let me. Christ. Let me shake up this fucking bag of leaves. Your we bag of that. leaves, yeah. All right. The first artist. name is... <laughs> oh, there we go. Matthew. All right. Who who just who? got in the last minute. <laughs> as a matter of fact, with a fucking voicemail. Oh, yeah. Matthew Farajo. Yeah, all right. right. So you get a prize, buddy. Good thing you fucking submitted the last second. Wow. All right. So, Matthew, you're in on the running. Uh, what else we got? Oh, yeah. Ah, our good buddy Jackson Garland. All right. You're yeah. Also... yeah. Garland also... Green. What did you say? Who? Garland Green. 
Yes, him too. Yes. <laughs> you know Garland Green, right? No. What is that? Fucking Con Air, man. Oh, yeah. Con Air. That... The fucking John Buscemi or whatever his name is. Oh, Steve yeah. Buscemi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Pink? Yep. <laughs> Did you say Matthew's last name? Farajo. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Check. Okay. And now here's the third and final pick. Hey, our good buddy Gary Hill. All hey, right. Gary Hill. Right on. All right. So Matthew, so... Farajo, Jackson Garland, and Gary Hill, tell us what the fuck you want. And just in case, just in case you three don't come up, I'm going to pick a fourth. And the fourth is only going to be present if, you know, somebody doesn't, you know, these three don't want anything. Matt this Wazell. Is, this is the emergency. What the fuck is this, Mike? Oh, Mike Stewart. Mike okay. Stewart, yeah. All right. Mike. I just said Mike. I didn't have a last name there, so. So, Michael Mike J. Stewart on the. <laughs> he wants Halloween 6. <laughs> I need another copy. Scott, as a matter of fact. Oh, no, I traded in the Best Buy for five bucks. Forget it. Okay, okay so how are these people, um, what so should they do? They they do. They... Yeah. Okay, Matthew, Jackson, and Gary. These are the three prizes, as I've said. All I want you to do is to go on the Facebook page or the other page or what the fuck or instant message one of us and say, this is what I want. I either want the year next, I want the Crystal Lake memories, or I want the Psycho 2. So if you happen to have all three of them or, you can't, or you're can't, or you not quick enough on the fucking trigger to get what's there, well, then, you know, I, I wish you the best. And then what if everybody the, wants your next? How does that work? The first person that contacts us gets gotcha. your next. So it's first come, first serve. So Correct. get on that. you got to be a listener who listens quick. Gotcha. Yes, obviously. Booyah. Yes. Booyah. So those three are the first three. If nobody comes in out of those three or there's some, you know, discrepancy, Mike Stewart's on the back end here. So there you go. That's more than enough. So, yeah, season two, motherfuckers. <laughs> yep, and that. With a bang. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that should be the exclamation point on this episode. <laughs> Guys, it's been so much fun doing this. Thank you all to all, to all the lasers. It's been a hell of a year. Here's Woo-hoo. to another year. Uh, thank you to Alex Edwards, our guest. Holy shit, he's hey, on the show now. Swerved your asses, didn't we? Boom. Holy shit. Didn't see what that coming. He's instantly regretting it because <laughs> we kept him up well past his bedtime. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't <laughs> sign anything, did I? <laughs> we can just hey, chalk this up to an appearance. Hey, we're fucking paying you, goddammit. All right, all right. Sorry, just sorry, fucking sorry. do this shit. Um, so, yeah. No, seriously, Alex, you know, we've we've sucked your dick enough. We we love you. We love having you on here. It's it's a pleasure to have you as a permanent staple co-host in the lounge. Can't wait for what uh, the future holds. Seriously. Yeah, it's definitely good times. Like we said before, we knew it was uh there was just some kind of magic in the bottle with those Jason Six commentary, the House of a Thousand thing was great. You know, it was such a great time. I don't know if it was great, but it was a great time. Um, <laughs> you know, the Halloween remake and part two. Like, we just knew we had some kind of nice flow and some good times going. So we don't want to not have that as much as we can. So it seemed to be a perfect fit with us, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. you love bananas. so we're, I do. Yeah. It's a perfect connection. And we're mm-hmm. back. We're back in time, bitches. 2014. Gotta get back in time. Yeah, so no more of <laughs> okay. this, uh, you know, crazy storyline of time no, travel and stuff. Uh, can't keep it straight. <laughs> <laughs> There's always flaws in it. <laughs> the big flaw here is I'm on the show, man. 
Yeah. That's definitely a good thing. Um, so yeah, uh, we will be taking a break for the next episode, so we'll be back, uh, you know, in a few weeks, but we'll still be doing the bites in between guys. So look forward to that. So yeah, until then guys, the lounge is closed. Later lasers. Later.